They are not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime. Prime time. It's XL Prime Time, featuring Joe C. Why in the world am I sitting back and being quiet about this? Matt Hayes. Suck it up, Buttercup. Mia O'Brien. My nose just decided to start bleeding. And Leon Searcy. Now you're yeah. just talking to Tom Fuller. Yeah. yeah. How you like me now? How you like me now? Winds of change. Yeah. Yeah, out there, if you walk out of whatever building you're in, if you crawl out of your basement, wherever your WFH holdup is, your work from home. Has that changed uh, in 2024? I'm going to have to ask some of the people out there today if they're still working from home. But wherever you are, if you walk out and you feel that wind out there, they're talking tornadic type of winds. There are winds of change at the bank, okay? Uh, One side of the staff wiped out, basically. So we will get into it today. Beaver Chevy, Beaver Toyota, bringing you today's show. And uh, you know what they want to do? They want to give you something brand new, and they want to give it to you at a great price. So if you are thinking about winds of change, you can head on over to Beaver Chevrolet on Phillips Highway or find them online at beaverchevrolet.com and beavertoyotastaugustine.com in the aug right there on US1 if you are thinking about a brand new or beautiful pre-owned ride and a little winds of change in 2024. So as we begin the show, they wipe out the a is now AWOL, okay? He is absent without leave. I couldn't far- wait to hear what your line would be <laughs> with regards to the a It was the first thing I thought of when the news came that Mike Caldwell yeah. was relieved of his duties so, last night. Uh, and people may not know, we refer to it commonly as a It would be the assistant coach of the year, and I kept stumping for him from time to time. So now it's from a to AWOL. He is absent without leave, and, and he gone. And uh, basically, they wiped out the staff. And so as we begin this, and and Leon, I Mm. do think we all know, and we did this yesterday, we knew change was coming. Had to happen. We knew something had Mm. to happen to, you know, it's the classic heads will roll. Anyway, your reaction, your immediate reaction. I mean, listen, it's it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Yeah. I mean, if you you look at this defense, the beginning of the year, it kept us in games. You know, kept it, you were able to stop the run, you know, able to get turnovers, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of those games in the first half of the season that we would definitely would not be if our defense – listen, KC's game. KC's game is, is the keynote game that I look at. That team played like a championship team in that game against KC. Yeah. They, they, kept, they kept them off the board. There was a couple of mistakes offensively that gave them opportunities to score right before the half yeah. when we could have had all the momentum. But that defense played championship ball. I said that defense played well enough to win that game. But you look at the second half of the season, especially the last five games, we give up over 28 points a game. Can't stop the run. You know, we got injuries. We got a litany of injuries, guys getting hurt. You know, we had issues with the pass rush, even though, you know, we had two outstanding guys uh, with Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker who had, you know, outstanding seasons. We still wasn't getting after the quarterback. I mean, so it's a telltale of two seasons, one half of the season, the other half of the season. And when you have the collapse, the colossal collapse that this team had, you know, down the stretch – the grenade. Oh yeah, you got had to go be thrown in. in. Blow it grenade. Up. <laughs> Somebody had to throw it in and call it out, and someone had to go. And, and, and you know, me being in the locker room, you can't, you can't, you can't fire every player. You, you can replace staffs, and usually, generally speaking, if you let go of a defensive coordinator, then assistants <laughs> are always going to be at risk because whoever's coming in is going to be looking at bringing their guys in. That right. makes sense. And that's what's so interesting is that they did retain three coaches. Uh, Bill Shuey, the outside linebackers coach, Rory Segrist. That's credit to Allen and Walker uh, 
the season they had. The assistant defensive line coach, both who had ties to Phil, uh, to Doug when he was in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and then the defensive quality control coach, Patrick Riley. Wait, wait, wait. The assistant defensive line coach just kept? But Brinson was Brinson bounced. bounced. Yes. Oh, okay, all right. All right, all right. Hands yes. up. One of your old teammates. Hands up, hands up. Yeah, so. exactly. And, and look, and so they were probably looking at making a big statement Everyone's accountable. Coaches have to make players better. You know, all that stuff. Wait, well, here's the thing about Brinson Buckner. I played with Brinson Buckner in Pittsburgh when we played in the Super Bowl together with the Steelers or whatever. Now, I, I tell you the type of guy he is. Mm-hmm. He's the type of guy who's he's a stickler on professionalism, uh, toughness, accountability, in your face. Because as a player and as a teammate, he would hold other guys accountable for not making plays right there on the field, on the sideline. He didn't care. So I'm pretty sure he transitioned that from a player right. to a coach. And I, I think a lot of players nowadays may not be as comfortable with that old school approach in your face, holding you accountable, calling you out, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not sure. I'm only speculating right now. Right. But but I, I know I, pl- I played with the guy for four years, played in the Super Bowl with him. I know when he made that transition, I'm pretty sure that that personality, that attitude was a carryover of what kind of player he was when he was in the NFL. All right, Matt, so, so immediate I'm, reaction when you hear it. Well, I'm not speculating. I'm going to tell facts. Yeah. The defense wasn't the number one problem. Mm-hmm. They couldn't score points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Down the stretch. Okay. Even though so, what Leon said is true, mm-hmm. they did give up a bunch. Mm-hmm. They didn't score a you, bunch. You can't sc- they can't <laughs> score points, okay? They have the worst line in the league, and the offensive line coach is still there. Yeah. All right? So explain that to me. Yeah. Someone please explain that to a me. Legitimate you fire, question. You fire <laughs> the, the, the running backs coach despite the reality that with that terrible offensive line, ETN still has a thousand yards. That was rushing. a Bernie and Bev uh, question. And then you fire the assistant OL coach, mm-hmm. Kyle Washington. You know, just I guess because he wasn't being good as. I guess they assistant. did fire some assistants he to wasn't assistants. Be, he wasn't. He <laughs> wasn't. He wasn't good in his job as the assistant to the guy who failed spectacularly as the offensive line coach. Assistant to the traveling secretary. I don't know whether that was. Honestly, maybe Coach Campo, who will be in later, uh, he'll give us a little bit of a sense of is it is it actual game plan preparation that the assistants are I, look, doing. I, I get it that you feel comfortable with who you feel comfortable with when you're the head sure. coach. And and, sure. and when you when you face adversity, you want your guys around you because you feel like you can dig out of that hole with your guys. I get right. all that. Right. That offensive line was god-awful. I don't know how he stays. Okay, so we'll probably set it up as an ex-poll today, okay? Are you satisfied with the decision that, that Doug made to get rid of that staff, or do you want more? And if so... Where? Because well, I, you can't blame the injuries. You know why? Because the Texans had four new offensive linemen came to Jacksonville and won yeah. the game. The Titans in the last week of the season had the worst offensive line in the league. We're talking multiple situations. And ran for what? Over two hundred against the Jets. Yeah, multiple situations. Derrick Henry wasn't touched for the first hundred yards. Yeah, where lines. Think about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Is that yeah. good? That's that's pretty, <laughs> good. that's pretty good. Like we said before, he was not dodging defenders. Defenders were dodging him, uh, and, and so. This multiple situations where you had line loss, meaning offensive linemen were out of other uh, in games with other teams that, that this defense faced, and they could not take advantage of it, uh, at least not often enough. That's for sure. All right, so JJ, the expo will be: Are you satisfied with Doug's decision to uh, basically can most of the defensive coaches, uh, or what else would you like to see? And just go ahead and see if we can't get some some reaction there, because I do believe that. There's problems on more than one side of the ball. I don't think we can get away from that. Uh, you can hit us on YouTube. You can search 1010XL and throw a comment out there. But honestly, there, there's both sides of the ball. One went up as far as giving up more points. One went down as far as scoring less. All I can tell you from the conversations, and I tweeted this out earlier, from the conversations that I have had in the past 24 hours is that 
the most telling quote from Doug Peterson's press conference, and I'm going to read it for you, Mm -hmm. from yesterday's press conference, in part, he was asked about the next couple of weeks be filled with wondering why. Why was there this collapse? To which Doug Peterson said, it started today listening to players and the private conversations I have with guys just to feel them and get a gauge. I think that gives you pretty good insight. He goes on to say, I think I know the whys, which are my whys. They're not going to be your whys. It's all correctable and fixable moving forward. It's good information for me as I lead the team in the future into the offseason and into the offseason program and how I can begin to construct messaging and leadership. Those conversations he had with players yesterday Mm -hmm. must have directly correlated to why certain coaches were let go. He let them go. And now, now here's a all right. This is a basic question: Is he trusting the word of the player over the job that the coaches did? That's a great question because we left the press conference yesterday feeling like he continued. And I know myself, and I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but a couple of our my you know my colleagues, contemporaries right. on the beat, said that we left the press conference Sunday in Nashville feeling like Doug continued to say, "If the players can't execute, then you can't blame the coaches." Mm-hmm. Now, per these conversations, like made it made it seem like it was a personnel problem. Correct. You're not you're not doing your job. Correct. I you you gave me these lemons, and I'm trying to make yeah. lemonade, and it's impossible to do that with the group of lemons you gave me. Right. Um, but now, after these conversations, and from what I've been told, it, it it sounds like those players went to Doug and felt that they weren't getting the coaching that they needed to be yeah. successful, to be put in a position, and whether it was they felt like their position group and their teammates in that room mm-hmm. were in the right position. But, hey, you, you need the defensive line to be working in the same harmony so that the linebackers work in the same harmony so that the safety – so you need every room pulling their weight. And it felt like, at least from what I have been told and from what I've read through Doug's comments and what I witnessed him saying yesterday in person, that there were certain groups that maybe weren't preparing the same ways as others. That was showing up on game day. Wait a minute, a, a group of players went to the coach and told him that they weren't getting the adequate amount of Denmark, thank you. Our, our YouTube audience, uh, we just that? put out a little sign that uh, help wanted sign. Help so want- if you guys want to apply, <laughs> just let us know. All right, go ahead. So, well, so, you, so, so you're telling me that players went to Doug Peterson and told him that he, they, weren't, they weren't getting the, the adequate amount of information to go out on the field and play according to what they were expected to play. Yes, and that there were instances in which you would ask one safety, one linebacker, one defensive lineman, hey, so where where does this person have to be on this play? Mm -hmm. And they would give you three different answers. Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, my take on that is that the middle linebacker is the one that sets the table for everybody. Right. Right, the middle yeah. linebacker calls out the play because the play comes in from the sideline for defense coordinator. And, and Foyer's you know, been the guy. Yeah, so he's been the guy. So he he assesses, tells the guys where to line up, where to stem, where to shade, all that kind of stuff. And then on the back end, he tells them what coverage it is, where we're in, where what coverage we're in, if we're in two, three, zero, whatever it may be. So I, I, there there has to be a communication breakdown between multiple yeah, multiple I communication breakdowns between right. Yeah. So if if so, you tell me this, Leon. Having been in an NFL locker room, mm-hmm. if each room is operating as if they're on their own island, are you going to have success? No, that's bad. They yeah. they should be yeah they they should be one for it. They they, they should be they, they sh- the communication should be able to because you're what happens is when you when you're on the same page, you all benefit. 
Now, if you got people freelancers doing their own thing, not doing their technique, that's required them, like we saw in the Tennessee Titan game, when you see the defensive front, you know, not in their gaps, and you got linebackers trying to guess, and where Derrick Henry is putting them in awkward situations where they have to guess because not only are they not in their right gap, but then they're getting double teamed, you know, like they're on roller skates going backwards. And what <laughs> if I told you that for stretches it felt like it was sometimes hard to find the defensive line coaches when they went to have an all-staff meeting, that the defensive line coaches maybe weren't speaking with other people in the building. Or not defensive line, sorry, defensive side of the ball, not defensive line specifically. Mm -hmm. Defensive side of the ball weren't speaking with other parts of the coaching staff in the operation. Oh, I mean, okay. I, I, I'm like, yeah. no, yeah, I, believe me. We hey. don't, listen, we, listen. I'm indifferent. I, I, I just Why so. I say that because of this, because I, I, don't, I don't have to be everybody's friend. You know, I just need to, I just need to know that you're gonna get the job done. I don't care about you liking me or you disliking right. me. I need you to be able when it's when on Sundays. I just need you to go out there and perform. I mean, in a working place, they don't, and especially in the football working place, with so many personalities that clash yeah. amongst each other. You ain't gotta like each other. Just accountability. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, because just be accountable. I, I would think the guy to the I, left of you as a right tackle, you appreciate it more than anything else. Absolutely, a work ethic. And doing what he was supposed to do. Yeah, when I was with the Steelers, I hated that defensive front because yeah. they were good. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, Greg and all them, and Levon, and you know, they I, I didn't like them. Yeah. But guess what? On Sundays, they were my. I loved them. Yeah, I loved that, them on yeah. Sundays. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so let's get into it. Like we said, we'll put the X poll out. JJ, if you've got it, go ahead and throw it at me. Yes, X poll as always, brought to you by Beaver Toyota of Saint Augustine. Are you satisfied with the changes the Jaguars have made with the coaching firings? Or do you want more? If so, who else? Yes, I'm satisfied. Or no, I want more blood. Not surprisingly, the early winner right now is no, I want more blood at 96%. <laughs> All right, so go ahead and give us some suggestions on X at 1010XL. You can let us know where to go because, as Maddie pointed out, uh, you know Travis Etienne, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna can him or, or maybe or not can him, but can the coach that was coaching uh, Travis Etienne, or, or the fact that Tank Bigsby didn't come along at all, you know, you might be able to look at Bernie Parmalee and, and point in that direction. But that offensive line was what held up that running back and run game probably more than anything else. Holy smokes. Uh, so we can get into all that today. All right, so that is there. All right, we want you to stay on your Jaguars 100%. But right now, uh, if you don't mind, JJ, cue the music because we did. You know what? I kind of got wrapped up in sports on Sunday so much. I mean, really, if you think about the flurry of activity, all the games we've been watching, I decided to watch a movie last night. I did. I just said, you know what? Hell with ball. I'm going to watch a movie. Jim Harbaugh starred in it. Mm. Okay? He had a bunch of people out there filming and really making it kind of a documentary. I knew Connor Stallions was somehow. I nominate Connor as well as Jack Harbaugh for best supporting actor (laughs) in the Deweys this upcoming this upcoming. I mean, honestly, he will be a candidate for a Dewey. He put it all together, man. Okay, it was cinematography at its finest. And when it was all said and done, I had no idea that there were stallions out in the the Pacific. Maddie, what is the uh, Saturday Saturday Out West? Is that what it's called? For the Pac-12? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah at least for now. Saturday right. out west. Right. So it'll, I had no idea. Be, yeah, had, is that being folded? The Big 12. Yeah, it'll yeah. be Big 12. Yeah. I had no idea they had Connor Stallions uh, in stadiums out west uh, like they did. But bottom line is, I guess you have to live with the idea that the dude was suspended for half of the season and they still balled their behinds off 
and they kick some tail. Uh, I liked Washington to make it a game last night, mm. and then I came away, Leon. It wasn't too long. <clears throat> I came away and said, you know what? One team felt like they accomplished something to get there. The other team was not finished, and obviously Michigan finished it last night. Well, listen, that game last night, Washington could have had every play they were going to run. They still wouldn't have stopped. That offensive line, that that offensive line, that was a thing of beauty. It I mean, I, I enjoyed, absolutely enjoyed that offensive line, physically taking taking Washington's will away from them uh, defensively. Everything they did up front, they could not stop, and I loved it. The counters, the pulls, the trap, the zones, the inside runs, the whams. Oh, I, oh, got a little boring. Huh? Got a little boring. It oh, stop it. You stop it. it. In the Are you serious? It certainly well, got a little boring. Well, they got to I thought you were a traditionalist. I thought you were a traditionalist, Matt. I was looking around. Want, I was looking around for Brian Ferentz, to be honest with you. You want to. That was all. That looked like a Big Ten game. The it third was, quarter, I think there was. It is like, a Big Ten game. It is a Big Ten game. I, I they play each other on the But Matt, think about this. There were there the the average yards per run for Michigan. Halfway through this like game, 17. Was 31 yeah. yards per tote uh, between. That's not a Big Ten defense, folks. Uh, with with with, and remember, but I'm then it adjusted quickly. Yeah, with a, but Ed, was it Edwards? He yeah. he had three and a half yards per carry coming into this game, and he bust off two huge run scores, three runs, 31 yards average per tote. It was unreal. So I cued the Modelo music because they're the official. Surveys of the college football playoff, and and, and look, <coughs> I didn't have my last Modelo of 2024 last night, but I did have to, you know, say goodbye uh, to college football with that. And I do give Harbaugh a ton of credit. Listen, I love you know what I loved when the linebackers of Washington when they were rubbing their sides, they were taking them rib shops oh from the hands off. I was loving it. They were trying to stretch out because they were hurting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, I noticed everything, especially with coming on <laughs> when they were hitting them, getting to the second right. leather and punching right. them in, the, in their ribs, right. and they trying to stretch it out. Like, oh my god! And you know the other guy that was kind of reached for the ribs, oh, Michael yeah. Penix. Michael Penix, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They got yeah, they got good. They, they got beat up. I mean, look, Edwards has been dinged up all year. Mm-hmm. He was finally healthy. Oh yeah, and you saw it. I mean, yeah. he's he's got breakaway speed, mm-hmm. and Corm is just a grinder between the tackles. So they've they've got the two sides of that thunder and lighting type deal, and it's it's impressive to watch once it, once it gets rolling. I mean, JJ played probably his worst game of the season. JJ Ten McCarthy. completions. Yeah, so he, he really he, doesn't and they ever still, have to do a whole lot, and they still were fine without it. Yeah. So it, it was, and it was strange to see how. <clears throat> I I think the Michigan defense played a lot better against Alabama, but it was just weird to see how. Michael Penis was just missing throws. The yeah, throws he were there. He, yeah, he was just missing throws. How about the one the early injury? in the game, like where was the fourth down play? Yeah, he just oh. completely yeah. missed. It could, I the mean, one it could where have been the rim. Twister? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I'm more concerned, like, did he just go from being a top 10 pick to an undrafted free agent, not because of the performance yeah. on the field, but because I'm not sure health-wise. Like, I mean, well, I don't know exactly what it is, but he was, first it was the ankle, but then it was good, then the rib, which clearly he had the extra padding going on. Yeah, the other thing I should have realized is that Michigan saw him when he was in Indiana uniform, and they knew uh, well of him. And so they definitely uh, – Harbaugh had the intel. He probably threw some tapes in from back in the day uh, and went back and looked at some of the stuff with uh, uh, Kalen DeBoer and him uh, because it, it, it really was a clinic. And, and here's where we are. Let's make this the 10-10 take, J.J., because honestly, uh, is this is back-to-back years now. 
Now, Joe C's 1010 tape. Slow smoked and served up by Sonny's Barbecue. Local pitmasters since 68. You know what Sonny's is cooking up? We got a big game party giveaway, so be listening for that. We will tell you all the details as we get closer and closer to that. But Sonny's, you can expect them to serve it up hot and fast for you. So just go enjoy any one of your area Sonny's locations. Back-to-back years, the College Football National Championship basically has not been in doubt, okay? Even though this was a one-score game with seven minutes to go, and it was, it was. Did anyone think Washington was anywhere near beating Michigan last night? Up 3 nothing, down 17-3, to just like that, and then ultimately they get basically worked in the end. So now, back-to-back years, Georgia destroyed TCU. Michigan handled Washington. Will we see something different in the 12-team playoff? Let's at least focus on that for a second with the 10-10 take. I don't like advancing and go straight into next year, but will we see a better game? Because Georgia, in my estimation, Matt, would have given Wash- or excuse me, Michigan a better game. Even though I love Washington coming into this contest, I was wrong. But would Georgia have given them a better game? Well, I mean, it's easy to say that in hindsight, of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's also easy to say that if Jordan Travis is healthy, I think they could beat anybody in that playoff. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, I mean, I think it's going to be better because you're going to have more levels. Once you have more games, once you have the idea of you've got to stay healthy right. over a, a more extended period of time in a tournament, then you start to, all of a sudden, it's different. Injuries can hurt you. It's not mm-hmm. only injuries, it's, you have, you have guys now can be in a situation where teams get hot, you know, where teams start to struggle for any number of reasons, all right? So I, I just think the more levels you have to a playoff, the greater chance you have of something quirky or something funky happening. I just well, think that a team can get on a roll. Washington did, yeah. okay, we know that, but just that consecutive weeks of a hot, hot, hot team. Well, I mean, I mean, isn't it like – I mean, the 12-team playoffs, isn't it like a catalyst for the inevitable? The, the, the top four are going to end up there anyway? I mean, well, I don't know do, about that. Don't, See, I don't agree sure? with that. You I don't, don't agree with that. Okay. No, I, right. it's just me. I, I, I just think that it, it's it's different when you start to have to play more than one game to get to that game. When you start to have to have to actually go through a tournament, you know, mm-hmm. like it's a lot like the NFL playoffs. Like you can say, well, okay, you know, the Ravens are going. The Ravens will be there, and it'll be the but, Ravens but and the 49ers. The, but it, but what are the are the odds that it's going to be those two in the Super Bowl? No, no, no. But I think we have, and we all know this. <laughs> it is a much more level playing field. Okay, even though Washington and Michigan are quote power five teams, Washington is a Johnny come lately. Obviously, with what Harbaugh has done, this is three straight years in the college football playoff. Washington has made it to the CFP twice, but we're talking, you know, there's been a gap in time between those two appearances. They got wiped last time. They made it to the playoff game or to the championship game this time. And so I just think there's there's just still that big golf like you're talking about, Liam, whereas that ain't true in the National Football League. Uh, see Jacksonville v. Tennessee uh, on Sunday. But here are the odds. Okay, Georgia's going to be the favorite. Okay, mm-hmm. Alabama next betting favorite, then Ohio State, then Michigan, and then the two you might call Johnny Come Lately's Texas and Oregon. So you're yeah. not wrong. Yeah, yeah. At least right now. True, true. I mean, because if you if you, if you look at five through eight, you know, not out of the top four, the Georgia, a healthy Florida State, right. Ohio State. I mean, any of those teams that could 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 be any of those four teams in a, in a in a one game showdown. 
Yeah. It, I, I, I mean, I Ohio State almost beat Michigan. I, exactly. exactly. It was a exactly. touchdown game. Exactly. Oregon touchdown almost game. beat Washington the first time. Around. Exactly. I just, yeah. I, I mean, who says <clears throat> Ole Miss doesn't get hot? Yep. Something yeah. like that. I mean, I, I just, there's just, there's too many more variables to deal with. Uh, well, that's than what just I hope. Simply, you're playing three games. Mm-hmm. Well, by the way, it, it came out with a, a too early top top twenty five. Yeah. Right. Can you can you guess the top five right now? I can give you the top. You can guess the top five. Georgia's number one. Georgia, Texas. Michigan's number two. Mm-hmm. Bama. Texas, two. Bama. The top Bama. five is Georgia's one, Texas, two, Alabama, three, three, Oregon, four, Ohio State, five, Michigan, six. Okay. Okay. Michigan, it, just, Michigan had, just won the national title last year. If they had a 12-game playoff or 12-team playoff this yeah. season, who do you – do you think Georgia would have won? I think won? Georgia would have Georgia would have, yeah, yeah. I do too. At least that's the feeling yeah. I get. I, 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 that's why I kind of chirped when everyone was upset that Florida State was knocked out, which I – understand but I also understand the injury knocked them out that's why they did not get in but Georgia had the best loss meaning they Wait, lost since we're the doing pie team. in the sky does this mean Jordan Travis is healthy yeah because then I'm taking no State. I'm saying yeah. if if, yeah. if it was just how it was but expanded right. to 12 teams. Yeah, Georgia. Georgia but I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Michigan beat Georgia mm. not at all no 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 they might no, not I have either. played I wouldn't either based on what I saw because mm. up until these last two games I hadn't seen anything from from Michigan that made me believe that they were going to be able to go toe-to-toe with anybody offensively. Did you hear what J.J. said? Yeah. And that's the key to everything. Yeah. They might not have even played. Yeah. Well, yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. That's get the it. beauty of more like levels the NFL, to the playoff. It'll be more set because you have the AFC, NFC, obviously. Right. So when you say Ravens, Niners, the odds of that happening are actually way higher than saying, you know, Georgia, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's a total – Random draw. Well, it's yeah. also home field, whereas the playoff for the next two years, anyway, is just going to be first round campus sites. Yeah, and by the way, yeah, we have one on team what on channel? It's going to be ESPN. But okay. here's the thing: ESPN is is in the process of nailing it down right now, but they also have the ability with this new contract to sublet games to Fox. Sublet so Fox, yes, or however you say, sublicense they call it. Like Fox would have to pay. ESPN Fox would have to pay ESPN for the game if they wanted. Like when I moved out of my apartment back in Gainesville and subletted that bad boy because I still had the two-year lease. Okay, so your other people rented out from yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Made a so little. It's, it's actually a smart narrow. move by ESPN because you you're paying a premium for it, right? And then your idea is how do we make more money off this thing? And if you want, if you're gonna if you're gonna give away one of the campus games or two of the campus games. You know, to Fox or one to Fox and one to NBC or Why one to CBS. Why wouldn't they just keep them all? Right. That's because that because they'll pay a premium above what you paid. Okay. That's the just so they can have programming. Yes. Yeah. yes. So and they have they programming. Can... So they they so let's say it ends up being an average of three hundred million a game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's say Fox or NBC or CBS says, "All right, we'll give you four hundred million to give us that game." Yeah. It's nuts. It really is. As long as they don't have Dan Landing on there again. Yeah. Uh, listen, like no, works, I like it. It sucked. Why? Well, who would you rather have had? Wait, What's why? Kirk? Why did it suck? I I like Saban. I always love when they have Saban there. I like when I like Kirby. Right, you but know, Dan Landing is basically Saban and Kirby to me. I don't know. I, or he wasn't interesting to really? me. I don't know. I, I thought wow. he was like super. You were low. just. I, I enjoyed the broadcast actually. I, like I thought him. Chris. And, I love Fowler. Uh, Kirk were amazing. Fowler. Unfortunately, Leon Texas in like the fourth quarter, and he's like, "I'm really not enjoying Pat McAfee on the broadcast." <laughs> I'm like, "What the hell channel are you watching?" Which yeah. is hilarious. Did you stay on on yeah. the Deuce? Is that what you did? Yeah, oh, I mean, so he was on ESPN too. I was on ESPN. Yeah, the Deuce. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was getting irritated. Yeah, yeah that is the Deuce, is what it is. <laughs> I, you know, what? I, I love Fowler. I actually think he's the best play-by-play I guy. I love Fowler. He's got, but I will say this: he's yeah. my number one. Cat. I didn't like the way he signed off. 
Yeah. With the asterisk thing. I didn't like that at all. Yeah. Oh, I did, did not he? Like that at all. About yeah. the cheating? I he talked about, well, you know, whether you think there's an asterisk or not. And I'm thinking, oh, he did? Do that. I didn't hear that. I love that it. Was, that was after. Okay, so they signed off from the game. They went back to him real okay. quick. You know, Sports Center does way, that. And then he did it. The, the, this is, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong here, this is the first time I've heard Jim Harbaugh say we were innocent. Ha- have you heard him say that? And he didn't do it until now. Now I got the trophy. We were innocent. And I'm like, I don't, I don't mind Fowler saying that because there was nothing but uh, scandalous uh, what is he innocent questions of? around this whole deal. Like, what's he claiming that he's innocent of? He's okay. Yeah. He's claiming the first investigation. We'll play the soundbite coming up. The first NCAA like, investigation is yeah. the, the, we were innocent. Is, is illegal contact with players during the COVID? Yeah. During the COVID, uh, before they before the Big Ten had the quote return to play. Remember that return yeah. to play? Yeah. So before that, allegedly, the Michigan there were three Michigan coaches that had illegal contact, including, by the way, Sharon Moore. Yeah. Um. So the NCA claims that Harbaugh deliberately misled. "Quote lied." I love that during the investigation, <laughs> I did and not steered lie, but them I deliberately and steered them away from information that could have clearly showed what happened. Yeah, Harbor said he didn't. They say he did. Okay. The second investigation, of course, is Connor Stallings yeah. and, and and everything that's going on there, where Harbor says he has no idea, didn't know what was going on, and if you believe that, you, I mean, I've got a bridge in Brooklyn site. Exactly. I, College football coaches. I do have the clip if you want to play yeah, it quick. Yeah, just play it real quick, just because you know how he is. This was not a season where everything went the way you wanted it to. There were some, the off-the-field issues, which we all know about. Can you talk about the satisfaction having overcome those as well to get to this point? Does it make it even sweeter? Right. Can I? Can I? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it, it, it couldn't have gone better. It went exactly how we wanted it to go uh, to win every game. Uh, the off, off the field issues, we're innocent. And, and we, stood, we stood strong and tall because we knew we were innocent. And I just like to point that out. And these guys, these guys are innocent. Okay. And innocent. Yeah. yeah. Let me see if I, I mean, I mean the yeah. university fired yeah. the linebackers coach. 70 okay? times. Yeah. And then the university so accepted big. the Big Ten's yeah. three game suspension. Unreal. Okay? So, right. LA right. or we, Vegas next. That's my only question. So we'll stay on the college football playoff. Innocence. Uh, Billy Joel wrote it. Jimmy Harbaugh starred in it. Uh, and then we'll get back to your Jacks. Who do you want to see coordinating this defense? Let's get into all that coming up on XL Primetime. That just happened. Brought to you by. Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, here's a bit of good news for you, Duval. The Tennessee Titans have fired head coach Mike Vrabel. Uh, at least according to Adam Schefter, it was a firing. According to Ian Rappaport, it's a parting of ways. They, The reports say that Amy Adams Strunk, the principal owner of the Tennessee Titans, wanting fresh perspective in the coaching staff after a 6-18 and stretch over the last two seasons. Of course, as Kevin Clark of Omaha Productions and ESPN points out, the best candidate for the Titans opening is probably Mike Vrabel, which means it was a mistake to fire him, which means good news for the Jaguars because Lord knows who Tennessee will try to He got over on uh, Duval that last time, so this might be the last time I get to say suck it, Mike Vrabel, but at the same time, um, uh, he is a good coach, and uh, he – he made some chicken salad on Sunday out of you know what, Leon. Yeah. And he he he, fed, he gave the other stuff to us, unfortunately. Well, I mean, two years ago they was a number one seed. Last year collapse, and then six wins gets you bounced. Uh, seems to be the regimen for getting fired. <laughs> he probably needed to be wrong. Collapse, <laughs> but, six wins, and bounce. Yeah, but it's just like 
as bad as that is, yeah. he figured out a way yeah. uh, to ruin uh, Duval's uh, dream. That's for sure. It stinks, but I do wonder, and we'll, and we'll go through this because this will be the constant. You know what's going to happen next? Like we said, we're going to talk about who the next defensive coordinator do you think should be uh, here in Duval. Uh, but there are openings everywhere, including Arthur Smith uh, getting bounced up in Atlanta. That was a seven-win club, and I thought I thought he deserved to go. Okay, especially the way they played this last game. Uh, against New Orleans I was never really a fan but it seemed to me that Arthur Blank the owner of the Falcons and let's just throw Adams in any of these uh, owners into the conversation they want to talk to Jimmy Harbaugh they want to talk to him Mm -hmm. and and at least the way it's been reported correct me if I'm wrong but I believe Schefter and Rapp and these guys have basically said the only one that I've heard right now is that there's interest on both sides is Mark Davis the Raiders and Jim Harbaugh. Has anybody else heard any more than that? At least I haven't right now. I mean, now. there's the logical route back to Southern California where mm-hmm. he grew up. Sure. And then he'd have Justin Herbert. Um, there's a lot of Bill Belichick, who, by the way, is still the head coach of the Patriots as of mm-hmm. this writing. There's and was some, and was open to discussions on how to make the team better. Right. There's the smoke of, like, would he want to go to Washington so he can go sail on his sailboat in Annapolis and they get a fresh start and a flashy name. Um, I – I personally am a bit skeptical of that, but, you know, they're hiring Rick Spielman and Bob Myers to try to get the biggest name out there and the best name for their organization. So perhaps um, just to get you caught up to speed, folks, there are now six head coaching openings in the National Football League. Obviously, the Tennessee Titans now join the fray after firing Mike Rabel just moments ago. The Atlanta Falcons, as Joe alluded to, fired Arthur Smith on Sunday night. The Washington Commanders fired Ron Rivera on Monday morning. The Carolina Panthers, of course, fired Frank Reich early in the season, as did the Las Vegas Raiders firing Josh McDaniels and then Brandon Staley out in Los Angeles earlier this year. So the six openings, L.A., Vegas, Carolina, Washington, Atlanta, and Tennessee. So oh. he, he's only he's one a, good quarterback out of all right. those openings. Yeah, you got to right. pick he, your spot. First off, yeah. he, he's a Northern California guy. That's mm-hmm. where that's where he was born in Ohio. He grew up in Northern California because his dad was at Stanford. His dad was at San Jose mm-hmm. State. So – He's that's why he went to the 49ers initially. So I think it's, I think Vegas is probably the best fit for him because I think he, he's going to get more control in Vegas than he would elsewhere. It would he's seem. right now looking for control. Oh, you better he was, believe the it. The last two years when, when the, he was sporting with the NFL, he was it, looking for control. And let's, One of the reasons he didn't sign with the Vikings was because they weren't going to give him that control. Yeah, and let's remind everybody the reason why he's not in the NFL is because he didn't have enough control that he felt like he wanted in San Francisco. Trent Baalke did. Why? Because of Trent Baalke. And there was tons of discussion uh, uh, surrounding why he left and that job that still probably live oh, on. He's in also the Bay Area. a much like Spurrier. You want my resume? Go get the trophy case. Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't want to have to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to be, this is why I'm going to be the best. Yeah, player. wasn't he upset that he had to interview yeah, for the, it was job. the Vikings. Yeah, yeah, he was upset about so that. Which is crazy yeah, to think that was, what, less than two years ago? <laughs> and now here we are. He's a national t- champion. It, it, it's kind of funny though. Like I've, I've hear, I'm hearing people say, "Hey, what more does he need to do in college? Just come, go, go to the NFL." I, I, I get it, but I don't. Okay, what do you mean? What more does he need to prove? Does Nick Saban need to prove anything more in the game of college football? Does no, but, Nick, but Nick's not going back to right. The NFL. No, I Kirby's get it. Kirby's not but, going but to the NFL. But basically, what it sounds like is the Stephen A's of the world make it sound like it's 
they dismiss college football. But that's a throwaway line. They don't watch. I don't know. Stephen A. was up in the in the popular box last night, so I don't know if he completely sweet level with uh, MJ. He was he 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 made sure they put that shot on television. I mean, you could even say what's what does he have to prove in the NFL other than winning it all? Well, yeah. You know, he's in the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl in three years. Right. He didn't win it, and so that's the – what's the big game? The one you haven't won yet. You know how that goes. Right. But, all right, so here's one off the text line. We'll get back to the defensive coordinator here. Uh, I like the D.C. from Atlanta uh, since they're replacing their staff. Uh, I'd take him, did a good job uh, up there. Maybe poach someone from the 49ers or Baltimore. Uh, I would say wink, but his style might be too aggressive to use with the players we have. And so here we are again, Leon, is that we're going to find out, is it a 3-4? Is it a 4-3? What players do you have that best suit one versus the other? 3-4 is designed to stop the run. They did that for a minute until the end. So anyway, what direction do they go? Well, your defense coordinator is, I mean, your personnel group is going to dictate whoever you bring in here. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, the, if the guys that you have right now aren't a good fit, that's why you have free agency. That's why you have the draft. That's why you develop guys. I mean – you're going to keep your bookends. Your bookends had an outstanding season this year, but the guys interiorly, they're all in question marks, you yeah. know, especially down the stretch. The inability to get a pass for his inability to stop the run. Whether you run a 3-4 or you run a 4-3 here, you've got to do something with that interior there. Now, we've got the middle linebacker. The outside linebacker came along a little bit, whatever, but more is going to be demanded of him. Although he played a lot better, more is going to be demanded. And then on the back end, I mean, what are you going to do with Tyson Campbell? What are you going to do with uh, uh, Cisco? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, so whoever comes in here, there's going to be personnel groupings depending on what he's going to bring here, what he's going to bring but, to the but table. But this roster, is it not built built around an odd front? Yeah, it is. It's built around an odd front. So now. you have for to now, literally, you're, now. Going to, you're going to change what you do. Yeah, but like, so let's say you go to even front. All of a sudden now, you need more interior guys. Well, that, but also from what I've been told and knowing how Doug Peterson views the future of the National Football League – most of these defenses are lined up, and at least the defense they were trying to run here are lined up in nickel. They're lined up and in just dime take a, most, most well, of the time. Yeah, take a look at the, the number base, of, really, of The base defense really doesn't ma- matter. Mass majority of the time, I mean, we, we play bare. We play with a straight-up nose, two threes, and two outside backs. <laughs> yeah, the I mean, five we play, front. Yeah, we, yeah. Play the, right. we, we play the bare, the bare front. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, bare, four, three, four, four, it's just about the group. But you want to get guys in here that are going to be impact players. You got the two. You got the two outside guys. Now you need somebody interiorly that's going to be impactful. Yeah. They can stop the run and get after the passer. And you, if you were to go to a four-man front instead of an odd-man front, and we'll ask coaches later on, yeah, you'd have to look at personnel. But at the same time, like Logs was saying on Jaguars today, and I, I don't know whether, you know, we've seen Josh Allen and Trayvon play in a 3-4, and both did thrive as outside linebackers. But there's also a belief that both of those guys could thrive in a four-man front. With well, Josh Allen did as a, as a rookie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if you have the right guys next to him, like like right. we've talked about all the time, is that you need those interiorly interior guys like a Calais next to Josh Allen back in in 2017 when he when he first got here. So I mean, those are the decisions that have to be made. Or 2019 mm-hmm. for Josh Allen. And so when you have that, that's where you're you know ultimately going to be looking. Wink Martindale. He's a guy that is aggressive. He's a guy that immediately uh, stepped away once the season is over, so at least he's putting his name out there. Take a look at what Vic Fangio did down in Miami Yep. for much of this year. That's probably the best example yeah. of personally, again, this is just based on various conversations I've had, where I believe Doug Peterson's head is at, mm-hmm. is that similar to Mike McDaniel, you hire an old head, 
They run the defensive operation, especially if they've been a head coach in the past. Right. Like Vic Fangio Vic has. Knows. Like Mike Zimmer has. You put them in a silo. They run the defense. That way, as much as Doug this year said he wanted to be more involved in more facets of the game, he can become the babysitter for you-know-who on the offensive side of the ball. Well, I mean, here's another thing, Dave. You bring in a defensive coordinator who's aggressive. We got to be able to play press man. Yep. Mm-hmm. This back zone and giving guys that, – that, that that's, not gonna, that's not going to work. Not with this you, personnel. You're, you're going to need the personnel that's someone who's going to be able to play press man. So yeah. I did look – Do we have anybody yeah. like that right Right. Now? So yeah. I felt the same exact way last night, Leon. And so we did look it up. Um, Wink Martindale did play a little more zone because of the personnel mm-hmm. with the New York Giants this year. So – can he change? Yes. Could Mike Zimmer change? I'm not so sure. We'll ask Coach Campo, who, of course, employed him once upon a time down mm-hmm. in Dallas when he comes in at 2 o'clock, um, because I think that's a big part of it. More so than the 4-3 versus the 3-4 front, mm-hmm. I think the bigger question is, you have been drafting guys, i.e. look at in the urban season, once Joe Cullen got here and said, I'm going to run a man defense, and then quickly learned that Tyson Campbell doesn't play well in a press man defense. He needs to play in that zone because then he can turn his head around and actually get to the ball. And once they did that and they shifted to more of a zone in the second half of 2021, that's when you saw Tyson all of a sudden it was like, oh, now the light bulb's coming on. Mm-hmm. And if he's supposed to be your marquee player in the secondary and he can't be a press man corner, then that makes then it brings into question the personnel. Yeah, well, then if you can't if you can't play press man corner, that means that you, that means your guys up front are getting home. They got to get home. Yep. Or and, it's gonna be a kiss the baby. And it comes down to the very, like the essence of ball, <laughs> is can you dominate at the line of scrimmage and can you win on third down? Mm-hmm. And in this particular case, the offensive line is not winning on third down. They're not dominating. They're not as physical as they should be. And on the other side of the ball, yes, those two, Josh Allen and uh, Trayvon Walker, ultimately got to the quarterback double digits. I'm going to see if I have my my numbers here because this it, it kind of blows you away when you start thinking about what the other guys didn't do. Sacks yeah, when, when you think of what the other guys didn't do, and I'll pull the numbers up just to make sure I have it right, but when you had Josh Allen – with what, right around 15 sacks? What did he end up with? No, it was 17 and a half. 17 and a half? Is that what it yeah, was? And then 10 so 17 and a half sacks. Trayvon, the rest at 13. Yeah. And then and I, I'll pull the numbers up just as far as the rest of the, the, the team is concerned. Okay. You got two guys that were right around a total of over 225 sacks. And the other guys, I don't even know what they added up to. Maybe a little less than that when it's all said and done. See, I also That's think not acceptable. I, Tyson Campbell can play man. He was hurt a lot this year. If you're if you're running around with a ham, hamstring injury a majority of the year, I, I don't. I it's difficult. Yeah, I, it's a I, I difficult to spot and... to be in. I think last year he showed he could play man. Yeah. So I I I, no, I think he's fine. I really do. I think when he's healthy, he's fine. Well, here's what going back two years ago, what the problem was, is that Shaq was lost in man. They had to put him in his own situation, and that was when uh, uh, Campbell was a you know basically a, a baby in the NFL. And so they had to do whatever they could to make sure both of those guys figured out. Well, they came into year two of Shaq as a free agent and Tyson Campbell, second-year player, and they finally figured it out where they went away from zone a little bit or went more zone and man. Because remember, all the stuff we talked about, they didn't even know how to coach it uh, two years ago, which is nuts to think about. There's a lot of communication that had to be involved this past year. Yeah. A lot of passing off yeah. coverages. That, that nuts. was not just didn't work. Yeah, nuts to think but about. But that, but then that gets down to then what do you do? Do you then suddenly become all right? Then you're a Mike Zimmer team where you're just going to be aggressive. 
Mm-hmm. Or, or you're, you tell Wink Martindale, let's be aggressive. Or whoever it is. Yeah. Brandon Staley, whoever. Right. You, do you then suddenly become, all right, well, then we're just going to go – we're going to get after it. And if we get beat, we get beat. Yeah. If not, we're going to make a play. And, and, heck, there are plenty of guys out there that have done great jobs defensively, but you do have to find uh, philosophically what you like, what you like to see. And you know the, the, the basic success in the National Football League has, by and large, of late, come through the passing game. We all know that. They do run the ball. There are still people that run the ball. But the, you know, the, the, the main defenses out there are playing in nickel, playing more with guys on the back end than the front end to make sure they handle the pass. No, I mean, there's no doubt. And, there's, and, and I understand the idea of you can't just be blitz all the time. But philosophically, you can be, we're going to be a majority of what we do is going to be a man. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try and get the quarterback. Yeah. And we're going to allow our guys and just say, look, you've got to work. You've got to cover. Because what they were doing was not working. Their linebackers, how how lost were their linebackers in coverage this year? Uh, they if they it really started to show itself again second half of the season. We talked Not about that. How lost were their safeties in coverage this year? Well, yeah. It, it, look at the number of yards they gave up all year long. Okay, and that was with an actual pass rush starting to show up a little bit. It's just they, to me, there's just too much, way too much zone concepts out there for them. And yeah. I know they played majority zone, and I get all that, but I think you got to move a little more well, toward. Being aggressive. Well, what, what, what troubled me is the communication breakdowns in week 14, 15, 16. Yeah. I mean, those, those things you're supposed to rectify early on in the season. That's the part where the rooms weren't talking I mean, because I mean, because here's the thing. If you get beat physically, okay, I can understand right. it. Right. But don't get That's beat because point. there's a communication breakdown yes. in week 15 in December late this late in the season. That 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 is not not only the coach's fault, but that's the player's fault too. Because your professionalism, you you can't be making the same mistakes in September the same and making them in December. I mean, especially when it comes to communication. I just you I, can't have you, no. you just cannot have corners or even safeties from because I saw from safeties too in the middle of a play pointing at somebody, mm-hmm. or pointing somewhere. Why, like in other words, why aren't you there? Or you're supposed to be there, and the play's going by. Right. Yeah. You, you can't it, have that. Yeah. It, it's kind of <laughs> what they were talking about in the locker room and what we might have seen on the sidelines when they were all kind of going at it a little bit. Um, uh, Foley and Foy and all the other guys right in the middle of that. So we'll carry that into the 1 o'clock hour. Uh, Beaver Chevy, Beaver Toyota, they bring you today's show. would love for you to check them out. They are there to wow you on a daily basis, which means they want to sell you uh, a brand-new ride and make sure that you are happy, not just with the purchase, but the service that comes along with it, everything that goes into buying a car. You don't buy those every day. You want to make sure you're happy. Check out Beaver Chevrolet on Phillips Highway or beaverchevrolet.com. And in the AUG on US1, Beaver Toyota, com. Beautiful SUVs, pickups, sedans, luxury, economy, whatever you're looking for. Uh, AEW, back tomorrow night at Daly's Place. And we got a special guest coming in to say hello to us. We're going to talk a little uh, AEW with Eddie Kingston coming up on XL Primetime. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. AEW, Daily's Place, tomorrow night. You hear the energy, uh, and we got the guys going to bring it a little bit on our show and then bring a bunch of it tomorrow night. Uh, Eddie Kingston joins us now, uh, uh, complete with a Harry Carson jersey and a Yankees hat. I don't know about that. <laughs> and welcome in, Eddie. I How got are my you? My Tim's on. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, so you're, I mean, you're straight from the Bronx, and so you're wearing and rocking those uh, Yankees and, and Giants colors yep. proudly. Yep, of course, man. Like that's what we do in New York. We yep. always represent our teams, no yep. matter what. All right, so you've been with uh, AEW since 2020. Yeah, Continental Champion. Uh, and and by the, did you defend that uh, title the other night? 
Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did, yeah. I did it uh, against Trent Beretta. Now, see, we, we wanted, you beat Trent Beretta, but we've got a guy here named Trent Balky, uh, who's the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You, could you wrestle him and maybe take that title away? Or? Please. No, nah, he don't want none of this. He knows better. <laughs> Tony also knows better. He doesn't want to do that. Uh, how has AEW been? Because we talked about it going back to 2020, basically with the pandemic, uh, and we would have JR, uh, Jim Ross, on here from time <laughs> yeah. to time because you guys wrestled almost exclusively at Daly's Place for yeah. a long, long time, and now the circuit is uh, once again all over the place. Yeah, no, but it feels good to be back at Daly's Place. You know what I mean? Back in Jacksonville. Uh, this place holds uh, – Jacksonville in general holds a special place in my heart mm-hmm. because, you know, at the time before I signed mm-hmm. with AEW, I was, you know, an independent wrestler, but I was selling my gear so I could pay for my mortgage and not yeah. knowing – when the next show was going to be. So when AEW picked me up and signed me up, you know, it changed my life. And Jacksonville has a lot to do with that. You know, and like you said, we were here constantly. Yeah. We had to be here. So I fell in love with the place. So, Eddie, give us the origin story. When do you first become a professional wrestler, born in Yonkers? (laughs) You're obviously a huge New York sports fan. How do you get into wrestling? How do you come to be an AEW? All right, so I get into wrestling because my beautiful Puerto Rican mother can keep me quiet. (laughs) <laughs> or uh, I wouldn't calm down unless there was wrestling on. And God bless her, she just went, you know, I'm going to age myself here, but she would go to a place called Video Visions and get me VHS tapes of any wrestling. It didn't matter what it was. And I would actually sit down and shut up for two to three hours. So I just fell in love with it there and then um, got out of high school. You know, had some trouble as a teenager. You know, I was a little we wild. Yeah. And... uh when I got out of high school, my uncle got me into a local 580 Ironworker. Mm-hmm. And I looked over and I saw these guys, like 60, almost 70 years old, still working, coughing up a lung, drinking on the job site. And I said, man, there got to be something more than this. And I always wanted to be a pro wrestler. And I just looked up schools on AOL, folks. <laughs> and uh, found a school in New Jersey, trained there for a little bit, got kicked out of there because I was still... You know, another Mal- school you got kicked yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, another one, yeah. <laughs> About the fourth one. Well, not not wrestling-wise. But anyway, found another school, and then everything else was just, you know, everything else is history after that. Now, Eddie, you, you from the Boogie Down Bronx. That's what it's called, uh, the Boogie Down Bronx. Boogie Down. Originally, the bo- originally. originally uh, raised in uh, University Avenue in the Bronx. Okay. And then uh, moved to Yonkers when I was about 10 years old, Y.O. Okay, all right, cool. Because I was thinking now, you know, you're a wrestler and everything. There's a couple of particulars on this staff and on this team that I wish you could come to ring ropes off of. <laughs> I got to get I, I mean, I, You know, I, I'll give you the list before, you know, before you we leave. I'll give you the list you. of people. Give them the, you know, the elbow off the, of the high ropes or whatever. <laughs> I got it. Oh, now, I don't jump off the top. You, you don't jump the off the top ropes? No, I just keep it nice and simple. I'll just start chopping you in oh. the chest, you know. <laughs> okay, just, just chop you in the chest. Yeah. That's all. Trying to knock the wind out of you. Now, now when, it comes, when it comes, you're wrestling, I'm a ball player. And when it comes to training, I mean, is there similarities in – and how you get ready for a match because I know before a game I'm zoned in, I'm intense, I'm focused on all that kind of stuff. What's yeah. your kind of your regiment before you get going as far as a match goes? People have told me this because I really don't know. I just kind of get into it and mm-hmm. I'm there. They say, you know, in the beginning of the day, I'm joking around, mm-hmm. all that stuff. They said as soon as we get closer and closer to showtime, I become more serious. Gotcha. And I go to the doctors, you know, I'm thank God we we have doctors at AEW, they warm us up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But before that, out on the independence, just stretching the whole day. Yeah. Getting ready and then right when it's time and I'm at the curtain, you know, that's it. 
I'm now, in that zone. Now, now I had a particular music I would listen to yeah. right before a game. What, what's what's that that song that gets you? Or what's that musician Man. that gets you hyped up before the match? There's so many different ones. Yeah, but uh, as of right now, like you know, I listen to some rock, so it would be like Hate Breed and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. real angry music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, Man, I understand. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to like hip hop. You know what I mean? It'd be like Met the Man's first album. Okay. You know what I mean? That gets me going. Uh, Tupac's my favorite rapper of all time. Uh, nice. DMX all day. That's a young uh, guy. Yeah, 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 you know yeah, what you I mean? Go, yeah. He speaks to my generation of guys. So definitely DMX before I get nice. going. Nice. All right. So, Eddie, real quick, give us the rundown of career injuries. Can you? Oh, yeah, I can. I, I wake up every morning with a pinched nerve in my neck. Uh, I got to, you know, stretch that out. I got bad hips from wrestling. I have uh I've had hernia surgery. I've had uh all my teeth have been messed up from wrestling. Uh like all fractured. I uh, broke my ankle. I got 16 screws in a plate in my right ankle. Do you need wow. my cane? I've got my walking. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm I'm still I'm still walking. Is is there a part of your body that hasn't been affected by it? No. Everything hurts, man. This is not bad lay. This is what I tell people. So when people Want to say stuff about pro wrestling? I just tell them, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's here's real. The, yeah, here's the list of injury. Now, did you play sports growing up? Yeah, I played high school football, baseball, basketball, all and, that stuff. Yeah, com- and compared to pro wrestling, what prepared you from? Like, <laughs> is there anything that could prepare you? No, not no, not really. I did do boxing when I was a kid. Okay, you know, got kicked out of there too. Um, <laughs> but uh, I also do uh, Muay Thai and some jujitsu. That helps. Out a lot, especially for the wrestling, for the hips and the movement and all that. Nothing prepares you for pro wrestling like just doing it. All right, now just just to get a little human part of Eddie Kingston, and, uh-huh. and maybe you can just tell everybody, you know, where they can find you on social and so on. But anyway, you were a guy like you said, you had trouble as a kid. You yeah. had to find your place. You were able to to find it through wrestling. You battled depression. Yeah, I mean, honestly, tell tell your story and how people can find out more because you get in a ring and that's all of a sudden your stage. Yeah, uh, I don't have Twitter because mm-hmm. I I think Twitter's disgusting, mm-hmm. and uh, I just point. don't I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. That's it's, just me. It's, sorry, especially today, it's an abyss of despair. <laughs> no, it's just yes. not even that. It's just I don't. I come from a generation where people's opinions didn't matter, and now all of a sudden they do. Everyone has yeah. to have one. <laughs> like I kind of feel like people forget what we learned as kids. Like if you had nothing nice to say, don't say nothing. Mind your own business. Don't be a tattletale. Listen to Matt's. What's Matt's slogan on Twitter? It's the greatest worst thing ever. Yeah. Greatest worst thing ever. So I stay <laughs> off it, so I deleted it. I know the social media team at AEW was not happy that I deleted my Twitter, but uh, I got Instagram, Eddie Kingston 81. You know, all you're going to see is just pictures of wrestling and other stuff. But uh, my story's real simple, man. I was born in the Bronx, Irish Puerto Rican kid. I'm a mutt. I uh, grew up with a bunch of tough Irish guys and a bunch of tough Puerto Rican women. And uh, I was raised to be an underdog and just fought my whole life. Just didn't like, you know, being teased or picked on. And, you know, with the mental health stuff, I learned that later on in my life, what was going on. I like, you know, understanding why I hated myself and why I never thought I was good enough and Still working on it. I know when I talk to people, they're like, oh, but you're doing this and that. I go, yeah, it's still a struggle every day. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And uh, just pro wrestling really gave me something to hold on to and gave me something to do and and strive for. Like, I needed something. I couldn't just 
be an iron worker. I couldn't yeah. just be a, a union guy. I needed something more in my life. There's that. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because my whole family's uh, union workers. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that at all. It fed fed me for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted something more. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Now, Eddie, let, let, let's talk about your profound love for a team that I despise. Ah. Uh, your profound college football love for the, who is it? What's your the team? Fighting Irish, the man. Fighting Irish. The Fighting Irish. You just have to be a Fighting Irish. And, you know, me being a Myron Hurricane, you know, yeah. the, on my hierarchy of hate, you know, yeah, y'all, yeah. y'all sit atop of it. You're, you're close. We're, yeah, you're we're, close. we're close. We're close. Who, 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 who's in front of us? Man, I can't stand Boston College. Okay. Oh. And that's well, because, yeah. as a kid, last time Notre Dame was really, really good. Yep. They beat Florida State. Uh, Charlie Ward was the quarterback. Yep. They beat Florida State. They're ranked number one. I'm just over the moon happy. They play Boston College. Boston College beats us. 93. 93. Yep. Yeah. And I, I just, ever since that day, I've hated Boston College, uh, USC. I can't stand. Couldn't stand Pete Carroll. Still can't. You know what I mean? <laughs> all the Reggie Bush, all of them. I couldn't, you know, they pushed him in the end zone. That's all I'm going to say. Well, yeah. about that. We also know you uh, obviously have an affinity for New York sports. Yes. So uh, the Giants. I don't want. You don't want. You don't want to talk Giants. Look, here's, yeah. here's the thing with the I, Giants. I mean, give us a primer on where you think that franchise is right now. Oh, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. Uh, they need an offensive line. Uh, I know uh, Wink just left, just mm-hmm. resigned. Mm-hmm. So they're going to need a, a defensive coordinator. They definitely need a better secondary. I'm a firm believer in. On offense, you need an offensive line. On defense, you need that defensive line. That's where everything starts. Mm. So, to me, they have to shore up all that first before anything. Are you yeah. a believer in Danny Dimes? Uh, I'm not a believer, but we're stuck with him for a couple of years, so let's make it work. Yeah, $40 billion, uh, yeah, coming I mean? his way. Let's uh, just make it work, man. You know what I mean? Give Saquon his contract. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's our best offensive player. Yeah, and Dable learned a hell of a lot after being coach of the year last year. He oh, learned yeah. a hell of a lot this year. That's oh, sure. no, he definitely did. The competition got more. The schedule got harder, and that mm-hmm. was it. And at least you pinched the Eagles at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. I couldn't even watch that game. I was just like, it just doesn't count it didn't in my mind, yeah. Yeah, I, I got a quick Harry Carson story for because you're wearing the jersey. Wearing right? So in 1987, I was in high school, right, and I was recruited by South Carolina State. Mm. South Carolina State. Harry Carlson went to South Carolina yeah. State. So to entice me to try to come for a visit, Harry Carlson came to my campus, oh. uh, my high school campus. I met Harry Carlson for the first time. Oh, man. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And you man. didn't go anywhere. I didn't <laughs> go anywhere, but it was pretty cool. Sorry, that, Harry, you didn't that, go. Listen, it's pretty cool that he took time out of his busy yeah, schedule to come cool. to a high school school yeah. to try to recruit me. So yeah. that was yeah. pretty cool. No, I love, I love this jersey. I love the throwback jerseys. Uh I have an LT one, but everyone wears the LT one. You yeah. know what I mean? So I just go, want to be go a little, little different. Yeah. I got a good LT story. I tell you. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can't say it on that. <laughs> I, so, I understand. So, real quick, Eddie, just tell everybody how they can get uh, be there tomorrow night for AEW. All right. So, this is a little above my pay grade trying to remember all this stuff, uh-huh. but uh, it's AEWTix.com. Am yep. I right? Yep. There AEW it is. Ticks. There it is. That's where you can get the tickets. Come see us Wednesday. We're filming uh, Dynamites Live. Mm hmm. And uh, as of right now, I think I'm on Rampage, which they film after Dynamite from 10 to 11. Uh-huh. Okay, so, beautiful. And, and so that's the cool thing. You get to go and see a show and- And another park. show. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. AEW Ticks, AEW Ticks, and then Eddie Kingston. You can find him on Instagram, and you won't find him on X, even no. though there are people loving on you on X. Uh, I get weirded out by the love, man. I really do, because I'm not used to it. You well, know what I mean? Like, 
You got fans, man. Yeah, it's just weird. It's weird. <laughs> Embrace them. Thank you, dude. Thank you, man. Appreciate y'all. All right, Eddie right. Kingston and uh, AEW tomorrow night. That's Tony Khan. You got tickets, JJ? I do. I have a pair of tickets right now. Be car number four, six for one ten ten. Some people stay far away from the door If there's a chance of it opening up They hear a voice in the hall Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL JJ been killing it with some of the, the yeah. song selections yeah, over the last kind of, t- 40, 24 hours. It kind of all comes together because we just had, you know, Eddie Kingston from the Bronx and Billy Joel. He is all New York. Well, he's but, from Long Island. So. Yeah, but he's all New York. Close. And then a, an innocent man, uh, uh, he and Jimmy Harbaugh. So I appreciate, JJ, the reference that we had earlier that you're able to work that in because uh, Jimmy Harbaugh, it's like he was a fifth grader, and they said you need to use this word in a sentence five times in the next 60 seconds, and he did it. We're innocent. I'm innocent. <laughs> We're innocent. We're all innocent. The funniest part was it was a question for Blake Corum. Yeah. And he's like, let me take this. Yeah. Uh, We're innocent. <laughs> yeah. They're all We're innocent. innocent. <laughs> okay, 12 angry men. I mean, it was just crazy. What I he- didn't see. Did Brad Galley get a hold of Jim's parents again? That's yeah. really what I – like the only storyline I'm still rooting for. His dad is, he's like a carbon copy of his dad. His dad oh, yeah. They look exactly alike. They really do. And and somehow or another, he still looks like he has khakis on, whether he does or not. It's just the way he looks. Uh, the glasses do it for him and everything. But uh, Johnny Harbaugh, they had the bad weather. He was able to get in there late yesterday or late. That uh, was a cool moment. It was a nice that was moment. A beautiful look, moment. Here's what I'm wrestling with, and I have a problem with this. Jim disturbs me, and I like John. I really like John Harbaugh. Same. Why does Jim disturb you? Jim doesn't disturb me. Let's delve into that real quick. I think he's a great content machine. He used to not disturb me, and now he knows he's a great content machine. It's kind of like- You think it's an act? Yeah, a little bit more than it was. And it's kind of like Aaron Rodgers, who I love watching play the game, but I don't always like listening to him because he's- They're leaning into their character. Yeah, they are. They're becoming like a caricature of themselves. Yeah, and, and so I- I, I, I love John Harbaugh. I think he coaches hard, gets a hell of a lot out of his players, always seems to have a, a prepared team no matter what. You want to talk about a team that can overcome excuses of injuries? They yeah. do a pretty dang good job of it up there. But then Jimmy just kind of just grates on me, and then they were cheating, and everyone seems to think it's okay. How, how do you not like a guy who refuses to eat chicken because it's, quote, a nervous bird, <laughs> All right, And and a guy who you thinks that I think- he thinks there's some type of sickness that was injected its way into the human population when people started eating more chicken instead of, Joe, yeah. beef. Yeah. Well, you Has know what? Has he pitched that to Aaron Rodgers yet? You may have just cracked the egg on where it comes from with me and Jimmy. You may have just done it. I am a chicken man, okay? Mm. If I go to the grave, I want to have a chicken wing in my hand, and if you dig me up, uh, I will still be eating it, okay? So I'm a chicken man. Maybe that is the essence of the Harbaugh hate. Maybe that's where it That's when from. Wilton Spate told me that. God, this was probably five years ago, six yeah. years ago. I, it was hilarious. Yeah. And I'm laughing. He looked at me, and he goes, he's dead serious. <laughs> he believes it 100%. Yeah, beef. And I, and I put in a story in Bleach Report, and it just blew up. Uh, Everybody started talking about the nervous bird. That's so funny. The nervous bird. And look, chickens are. They are by nature. All right. Um, I don't know how we're going to do this, but let's just transition into a bold fact. Here's a bold fact brought to you by Bold City Brewery, Duval's first craft brewery, online at boldcitybrewery.com. So, Bold City Brewery, 
Duval's oldest brewery, celebrating 15 years uh, just this past year. And so they're going to keep it rocking and rolling into 24. You want a little more in 24? We'll just drop on by a little taco, taco, taco. Tuesday, you can enjoy the production house on Roselle Street right there in Riverside or Bold City downtown. And Jeff, just soak up the craft because, you know, they got it going on. So who had it going on over the weekend? Well, his name is Derek Henry. All right. The guy is just an endless torture machine uh, for your Jacksonville Jaguars. So Derrick Henry, 153 yards and a touch. They beat your Jaguars and knocked him out of the postseason. He now has 90 career rushing touchdowns. 90. We talked about his Hall of Fame worthiness the other day. He's building a case, that's for sure. Fourth player in NFL history with at least 90 touchdowns in his first eight career seasons, okay? 90 in his first eight career seasons. Fourth player to do it. LT, obvious. Ah, Emmett Smith, obvious. Who's the other one? He is the fourth to do it. AP? AP's a good one. It's a good guess. Priest Holmes. Did he score touchdowns? 90 career rushing touchdowns, fourth player in NFL history with at least 90 in their first eight seasons. All right, so not Frank Gore. It probably took him a bit. This better By the way, be, this better not be someone crazy like John Riggins, something like that, okay? Maybe well, Dane, it's a, maybe it's it's not Fred. Cause no, because unfortunately Fred did not see the end zone enough. Right. That's really one of the, the, like the criticisms. Only career touchdowns, right? Something like that. Yeah, just really not not that that hurt, that hurt him. It really did. All right, Ladanian had 126. Emmett Smith Jeez. had 112. Mm. And the other guy. Marshall, oh, um, Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk or um, nope. Edgar and James? Nope. What about Westbrook? Nope. Mm. Tony Dorsett? I don't know. Who? Dickerson. Dickerson. Tony Dorsett. Nope. All right, here we go. This is probably one of the more underappreciated, uh, uh, under-guessed guys. Sean Alexander had 100 mm. touchdowns wow. mm. in his first eight seasons in the National Football League. Wow. He was something else. Uh, and the only one I remember is untouched from 25 yards wearing a trim Crimson Tide uniform against the Florida Gators in the Swamp. That's the one That's I remember. That's the only one you remember. <laughs> I used but to love those big running backs, He man. was so good. Ron Dane-sized guys. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know the big pads mm-hmm. because now you can't be seen in big pads, can you? Who was the one for the Giants? Yeah, he, Jacobs. He, uh, yeah, Brandon Jacobs. Yeah, Brandon, he Brandon was Jacobs. a he was a two hundred fifty pound man. Yeah. He was he was the Derrick Henry before Derrick Henry. There weren't too many others like that. All he was more of a fullback. Yeah, and and the bus was lower yeah, to of the course, ground. Jerome Bettis. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, Earl Campbell was before my time. Yeah, but just he was the specimen. You you probably would go. Jim Brown jump all the way to Earl Campbell. Brandon Jacobs did not live up to it, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And then now you got AP Derek has got to be like his body was amazing. Yeah, but he was still Boss. what a six one cat, right? Was he that short? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think he was a six one cat. Remember uh, Christian McCoy, Christian Okoye? Yeah, Okoye was a big. He yeah. was a big human being. Yeah. And he he was the battering ram type of guy too. Yeah, Wikipedia's mm-hmm. got AP at six one. Yeah, yeah, he was. God, I just remember him running upright. Yeah, Eric Dickerson was that upright guy everyone. too. Eric Dickerson was such an upright runner. Uh, definitely that type of style uh, paid off back then. Now you got the slippery ones uh, like Christian McCaffrey and so on. 
So Derrick Henry, all right, the news, if you haven't heard it, uh, you probably are keeping up on X or whatever, but Mike Vrabel is out in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. He's been bounced. We don't know what's going to happen with Derrick Henry. Wouldn't it be great to see the diesel come back to the first coast and finish his career here? It'll be too expensive for that to happen, but uh, it would be nice if that were to happen. But now that era of Titans football, very likely over, Leon, uh, with Mike Vrabel being out, and they're probably going to want to turn – you know, kind of turn things over. A little yeah, bit. they're going to turn the page. I mean, because you got Ryan, you got Tannehill, you got you got you got you got Derrick Henry leaving, mm-hmm. you got you got Brable leaving. But you know what? They had a nice run. Mm-hmm. They caused us a many a injury, yeah, a mi- many a misery. Yeah, I mean, you look at. I mean, this team that was the number one seed just a couple of years ago. You know, um, I'm, it'll be interesting to see who they bring in, bring in as far as, far as the head coaching job. Yeah, we're going to run through those odds as far as where guys are going to go. And and now that this job has opened up, it happened earlier today. We knew that they were going to be talking about whether or not he would stay. Now the next shooter drop is Bill Belichick, whether he's going to stay up there in New England. Who was who was the coach before Ray, Ray Bro? It was it was, uh, it was uh, Malarkey. Malarkey, it yeah. Was Malarkey. And and what's Legend. so yeah, what's yeah. so crazy is Mike Malarkey made it to the playoffs yeah. and they fired him. Mm. And that was the year I believe that. Jacksonville made it to the postseason uh, the same year. Anyway, they fired Mike Malarkey right after that, and then Vrabel has been uh, has accomplished quite a bit up there. That's for sure. And you figure when you basically kind of handicap the jobs. JJ said it earlier. There's only one opening right now with a legit star at the quarterback position, and that will have a heck of a lot to do with who's going to want to go where. New England major question mark. Tennessee, major question mark, even though yeah, they like, do why have – why would you want to go to the Titans yeah. right now? Uh, and the, the only thing that they can look at Will Levis and they may say, you know uh, what, he's got a little promise. They'll take a look at that salary cap. There's quite a, a I think, a maneuverability in their salary cap. But, yeah, it's going to be tough to attract somebody there. I think they're going to have the third most cap space. They've got quite yeah. a bit to work with. Got the Atlanta Falcons. They don't know what they're doing. Desmond mm-hmm. Ritter certainly was not the answer there. Uh, Vegas, Aiden O'Connell and who – and then you, you kick it out to L.A., and you know that the L.A. Chargers got the most attractive guy in Justin Herbert. And we see you, Nooners, on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, clamoring for Mike Vrabel to become the defense coordinator here in Jacksonville. Yeah. I just don't see a world in which it's happening because, yes, there's only six openings as of now. Mike Vrabel should be choice number one outside of maybe Jim Harbaugh for all six. And that obviously is not including Bill Belichick because he is still technically the head coach of the Patriots, um, which if that opens up, obviously then Vrabel perhaps becomes choice number one there too. Mm -hmm. But I don't see a world in which we, unless he decides to take himself out the running and takes himself out of coaching for a year, I don't see a world in which Mike Vrabel is not a head coach in the National Football League next year. It's really, it's just step, step back, shave the stash, create a new look, and then lay out for a year, let them pay him. What was he, he had one year left. On his contract, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I believe he had one year left. And so <laughs> talking they, about Vrabel. Yeah. Yeah, they so Diana Rossini said about thirty minutes ago, they believe trading Vrabel was too complicated and would mm. take too long. Okay. They wanted to move on quickly. I was told that Vrabel never asked ownership for a trade or asked out of Tennessee. Right. And so the other half of this is did New England inquire at all uh, about maybe trying to do something uh compensation wise? Because New England if they're going to deal Bill Belichick, they're going to want to get something out of that as well. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Which Belichick opened his presser yesterday by saying, I'm under contract. 
which apparently the Patriots reporters were like, he's never once brought up a contract. Like, that's always a behind-the-scenes thing with him. He doesn't talk about it. Yeah. And nothing, so that was obviously done for a purpose. Yeah, even though he mumbles under the hood, he, he definitely – that was by design. I'm <laughs> under contract. Yeah. Just want to start <laughs> presser with that. If I was going to go anywhere, he would show it to you on my chat. It's pretty good. Your face. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, real quick, uh, because we got to at least hit a little bit of college football again before Big Surce gets out of here. Coach Campo coming in. Uh, JJ, update our X poll uh, as far as the defensive coordinator, Oof. the staff, uh, and then other changes that might have been suggested by our Nooners. Yeah, this one's blown up a little bit. Are you satisfied with the changes the Jaguars made in the coaching with the coaching firing, firings, excuse me, or do you want more? If so, who else? Question A by Beaver Toyota of St. Augustine. Yes, I'm satisfied, or no, I want more blood. No, I want more blood is leading 93 <laughs> to 7%. And the comments, lots of bulky talk, lots of press Taylor talk. Um, they are uh, not the most popular people in the city of Jacksonville. And right that now. is with 929 votes cast, which is closing in on, I think, our record. Mm-hmm. I released our early record for 2024. Yeah, brand new. Uh, mm-hmm. it, many would argue it's becoming a bloodbath yeah. um, on Jaguars Twitter right now. Maybe we, we follow Eddie's lead and uh, yeah. <laughs> avoid it as much as possible. Once we get off the air, of course, we're with you till three. It's yeah, so just keep going. At 1010XL, check out X and, and throw a comment on where you'd like to see them go. Because as we said before, the offensive line, pee poor this year. Did not get the job done. Uh, where will they go on the offensive side? What will they do? Uh, what type of uh, coordinator will they be able to track on the other side of the ball? Uh, real quick off the text line as we head to break, uh, we were speaking of how big Derrick Henry is. Uh, Mia's water bottle makes me feel inferior. Uh, how many ounces is that thing? That was asked uh, by, I'm sure, a YouTube uh, listener. It has, like, little statements on it, too, yeah. like, good like, job, keep yeah, going. A certain, a certain part point. of every day, like, hey, at 4 p.m., you should be here. Yeah, I'm not on the track right now, but I'm blaming part of that on Tuesdays. I sleep in a little bit later because of helmets and heels. And so the I, storm, of course. Well, first yes. off, that thing's like one-fourth of your body, too. I don't know yeah. how you drink that thing. Either. It's a lot so, of water. Yeah. Gallon a day. Yeah. A lot H- of peeing going two. down. Oh, it's Exxon <laughs> Pronto. Grilling Up Lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. I am happy to report that Brad Galley of WXYZ in Detroit did in fact get Jack and Jackie Harbaugh postgame. I'm about to retweet it if you are interested because mm-hmm. that was my favorite clip to come out of the Rose Bowl last week. The, the, the uncanny resemblance between the Harbaugh men is just fantastic content. So that will be out there on social media as is our Beaver Toyota Poll question of the day. If you haven't voted in that already, make sure you do. Uh, it is, pun intended, a bloodbath currently with 92.4% of the vote cast. More of you want more bloodshed. You want more coaches fired down at the bank with 965 votes officially cast. This is XL Primetime. Coach Campo going to join us at 2. Big Sir's headed out the door at 2. And before we send you off, Leon, I have... Two things that I want to get to. Number one is Jameis Winston, because we never got around to the Saints and their demolition derby against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. So we're going to touch that in just a second. But from 470 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, 
Are JJ and Leon ready for the puff puff pass era oh, no. at Miami with their new quarterback? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did some research on that. Uh, Reese uh, was it Puff Daddy? I'll never learn puff, his name because he won't puff, be a starter, and I don't puff care. Puffdenberger. It's called Puffdenberger. Coming from Albany State. I refuse State. to be trolled yeah, by <laughs> all of uh, Florida and Florida State <laughs> yeah. fans about this. You got to give Puffdenberger puff a chance. <laughs> Dude, did you see the defensive lineman last night for Washington? I mean, he rivaled this guy. I'm like, there's no way in in a broadcast you could say this cat's name and have enough time. But just call him Reese or Reese's, whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah, just go with Reese's. I'll call him third string quarterback because he's not better than Ja'Curry Brown, who's currently on the roster. And I pray to God Miami gets to his brother. Yeah. What's his name? Um, to his brother. To his brother. Talia Tungavalea. Talia Tungavalea. Tungavalea. His name Tunga is to his brother. Tungavalola. <laughs> still the same last Tunga name. Viola. Tunga Viola. <laughs> Tunga Viola. Yeah. yeah. T- still one more time. TNT. Yeah. Yeah. Tunga Viola. Yeah, Tunga Viola. Yeah. yeah I'll you still go. call That's him to. Tunga, are you a lawyer? If he becomes a quarterback, we're going to have to figure it out. You're going to have to figure it out. Yeah. Let's hit this one real quick, sirs, because, all right, New Orleans beat up on Atlanta. What's wrong with that? You can run up a score, you run up a score. I've never really understood. Uh, anything other than that against your rival yeah okay especially in the south uh yeah. in the division it would be us against uh the Tennessee. titans you know yeah. whatever if you run it up run it up so anyway jamal williams who had scored the most touchdowns rushing in the national football league last year had not had a touchdown all season long mm-hmm. and so they decided to get him in no mm-hmm. you're not telling the story yeah you're being very disingenuous about what actually happened. Okay, all right. They're in a victory formation. Yes, It's yes. not like they just I- I'm setting it up. Okay, yeah. sorry. And so basically, in other words, he had not done it. But they're at the goal line, okay? Mm-hmm. And there is zero – how many ticks were left on the clock? It was the, it was the last play. Yeah, it was basically the I mean, last play. They are play. in victory formation. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's you know that, right? in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> no, not pit. in disguise. Yeah. It's actual victory formation. Well, well, the play but, was well, called victory. When you victory. run another play, it's in, it's in disguise. Well, because Jameis – like yeah. the huddle said, I'm going to turn around and hand yeah. it to you. <laughs> he made his well, own no, no, it was not Jameis. It was a team, team decision. decision. Yeah. All 11 okay. men on think? the field yeah. after yeah. one of their own had picked off the Falcons, had it at the one yard line. And, and they're in the huddle. They make this decision collectively. And Jamal mm-hmm. Williams, that yeah. blood, sweat, and tears he put into the season, he needed to cash in. Here is Jameis Winston. Yeah. Well, I apologize to DA because the play was was victory. Uh, but I also explained to DA that it was a team decision. And uh, and I think when you have the a team morale, and I asked the guys, I say, guys, like, what do you, what do you want to do? We know how much Jamal means to this team, and and I understood from DA's perspective. So I I, I give him that. Yeah. But D, DA didn't condone that at all. Yeah. You know, he he didn't. However, uh, we decided as a team to do it, and man, we got an interception to the one yard line. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. So if 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 we would have scored, would it still would have been disrespectful? Right. You know. So uh, Tyron wasn't in on it, was he? No, Tyron was not not in. <laughs> no, but, but it was it was a, it was an offensive mean, team stopping discussion. The, stopping uh, the one. However, when you when you return the ball to the one yard line, and you have that opportunity. We just had that opportunity, and uh, and we decided. Do you think it's the kind of thing though that is forgotten fairly quickly, or you know what I mean? Like, I, I think it should be forgotten, especially when the score is already forty-one seventeen. Uh, so I, I don't know how how much worse it can get. Uh, but I got a ton of respect for Arthur Smith and the coach that he is. Uh, I think they do some incredible things. I didn't mean to. I didn't want to disrespect him. That was not my intention. Uh, my intention was to lead the team that I've been with the entire year, and we 
made a collective decision that we wanted to get one of our guys who they fight with blood, sweat, and tears every game in the end zone. So Oops, that was either the off. owner of the Saints or the third-string quarterback. It wasn't, one of the two. It wasn't a yeah. co- quote a collective <laughs> decision because Taysom Hill, who was the safety in the victory formation, yeah. did you see what he did? Yeah. yeah. He would look disgusted. Yeah. He turned around and like walked away. Oh yeah, slowly. I like, guarantee like, there was guys that were. Yeah, not there were cool definitely with that. guys that were not. Yeah. And so this was Sharp says that he should be cut immediately. Yeah. You know, like there's people that think the coach should be fired cut immediately. They, it's the last game of the season. Yeah. Well, I think he's still under contract. Suspension. I'm not sure if he's. What do you think? Well, would you like? Right, all right, so so Leon, play both sides of this. Play as a teammate, and then play as a. Well, a I listen. Listen. That I, they were playing against. I, I play with the coach that says it's not my job to keep points off the board. It's your job. Guy in there, he coached for him. Um, that's <laughs> one. That's one. That's one. That's Come on, that's very one. different when you're but, lined up like but, that. But but it is bush league. Yeah. It's absolutely bush league. And with that situation where the game is out of hand right. already, and you line up in victory, it'd be different if he was in a formation. Yeah. And then they then they right. know There's because because no, yeah. the defense is is exposed because a victory formation, the first thing you do is lack up. Yeah. Like you I say, said, okay, yeah. game is over, whatever. Yeah. But then the run the ball and the score touches. Yeah, somebody get. Yeah, and like I said, you're setting it up to deceive them yeah. with the victory formation. And then the other half of this is Greg Schiano's guys, Tampa. He coached them to try and submarine a guy when they were in the victory formation to try, try and knock the ball out. That also could cause injury. That was Bush League. Mm-hmm. So I was ticked off when Shiano's guys did that. So how can I not be ticked off with this? This one just made me laugh. I have to admit it. Jameis um, is but unintentionally hilarious. Yeah, he is. I don't think he. I don't think he realizes how funny he is. He's like he's like uh, the uh, comment. That elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. The, the, yeah. the commentating, yeah, no the, the commentating of Jameis's classic. But he said, it. "Da, like you know, did us out on the yeah, head coach. Yeah, look, he's, yeah, there's nothing on him. Right. Nothing yeah. on him. Nothing personal. Yeah. But it was he's a team decision, even though the coach didn't know that the decision was being made. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I wouldn't cut him though. Like Shannon Sharp's arguing, like. Look, like, is it classless? Yes. I love Shannon Sharp, you know, all pious and all this kind of right. stuff. I mean, give yeah, me a like, break. Yeah, like, now, nah, when he played, he did some borderline stuff, Oh, my too. gosh, I'm yeah. sure we can go get some fans. The same guy that when I went into the locker room, he had an entourage around him. You go up and try and put a microphone, and people intervene. Yeah. Because so, I mean, were, people oh, are like not allowed security? to talk. I mean, guys like. Oh, yeah. No, just just his, high, his like, handlers. Yeah, guys like Shannon has have selective amnesia. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. for like it wasn't teammates. It wasn't he PR. actually had like his own guys in the locker room. Yeah, like two guys were like credentialed that were not PR people. His mm-hmm. guys and they would like were they big? Were they like bouncer looking uh, dudes? Yeah, just no, no. They were like yeah, one of them could have been Martin Lawrence, but he just was in charge okay. of oh, okay. you know stepping in and Martin and, Lawrence. And, oh, Lawrence. <laughs> Yeah. I love Martin Lawrence. Me too. One of my favorite. Martin, guys. super underrated yeah. 90s show. He was a funny, funny cat. I just appreciate that in the same show, in the same hour, we get the content factory that is Jim Harbaugh and we get the content factory that's Jameis Winston. Maybe like part of why I don't want him to get in trouble is because he just truly believed it. He goes back and forth with one reporter in particular yeah. about the ethics of it yeah. and like, well, what would no you problem. have done in that situation? Like, literally, it's a three minute back and forth. That you could find on online everywhere, and, and like that's where I was like, he truly believes this, so I can't really like hate on him. And I have witnessed the people that he plays around or with; they they gravitate to to that guy. Mm. For and, and look, he was record setting. He was historic a few wow. years back as a starter, throwing thirty touchdowns and yeah. thirty picks. But he's not a great quarterback anymore. But no. They love him as a yeah. teammate. Yeah, I, I like the fact that he has no off button. 
No. When you press on, it's going to play all day. Just let them and go. And you've got plenty of friends it. and old teammates that oh, are like absolutely. that. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. yes. All yes. right, so real quick, before you go, because we're going to get Coach in, just one more time on the Jags, just as far as what you think was it what, – what has happened, is it good enough, or do you want more? So just go back and give fans your opinion as far as the Jaguars letting go basically – well, well, I mean, staff. listen. This 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 colossal collapse was uh, was a, was a joint effort, uh, organizationally from top to bottom, mm-hmm. and I knew somebody's head was going to roll. I just wasn't sure who it was. And then we got the news yesterday that it was a defensive staff. And you know, I said earlier mm-hmm. that the, you know defensively, it's a tale of two seasons. The first half of the season, I mean, this defensive front, this defensive unit kept us in football games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that Kansas City game. Alone, let me know that this defense, you know, we were concerned about the pass rush and all the other kind of variables of the defense, but they kept us in the game. They played championship football, in my opinion, right. in my assessment, in doing that. But later on, I mean, you give it 28 points down the stretch. Uh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Not being able Baltimore. to stop Jake Brown. You can't, Brown, you Joe can't have drives. You I know, I know. Outs, you're throwing pictures. Listen, the defense is tired. The, the defense yeah. is tired. I mean, because our offense was was the lack of production by our offense it also factors in that our defense is is, is playing more plays. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're not converting on third down, we're a bunch of three and outs, we're punching and all that kind of stuff. It had a lot to do with our slow starts. All that stuff factored in, and the fact that our defense was on the field way too often. Yeah. So I mean, listen, both look, both sides of the fence, both grass is dirty. All mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. both knees would be watered, and it just so happened that the defense defensive staff got. Pun, no pun intended. Cut. Cut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and running back, yeah. assistant offensive yeah, line. But as yeah. of right now, yes. that's, that's where they're at. Mm-hmm. In other words, Press Taylor's still alive. He is still alive. In the building is mm-hmm. basically what it boils down to. All right, uh, sirs, enjoy the rest of the afternoon. All right. He heads out. The Beaver Toyota, Beaver Chevy Tuesday rolls on. We get to the 2 o'clock hour. We'll say hello to Coach Campo. Uh, he spent much of his life uh, not only as a head coach but on the defensive side of the football. So we'll get an idea of where he thinks they may go. Could go, should go, all that stuff we'll do coming up right here on XL Primetime. XL Primetime's Coach Dave Campo is brought to you by Bold City Heating and Air. Online at BoldCityAC.com. Well, we get into the 2 o'clock hour. We got to get the, get the motor running because there's some changes that have been taking place here in the city of Jacksonville. We welcome our head coach, Dave Campo, in. Uh, to the 2 o'clock hour, he will hang with us, and then we'll do a little Campo and Joe podcast. Coach, well, Happy New Year. <laughs> well, thank you. The only problem is, you know, after the ball game this weekend, I really thought, okay, everything will be all right. The sun's going to shine. The sun hasn't come up <laughs> since the game. We have a tornado And we got warning. a tornado watch coming in here from Baker County, I guess. Yeah, but- by the way, uh, you boys up in Baker, you, you people up in McClenny, uh batting down the hatches, let us know. Uh, if everything is good, the all clear, because we know you probably have us dialed in up there, but uh, at least a tornado warning was issued uh, for Baker County. So be aware, be careful, uh, and uh, let us know how things are. So we've got our head coach, 2 o'clock hour, going to spend most of our time on your Jags, the National Football League, maybe sneaking a little college football playoff uh, from last night. But let's begin where the, uh, you know, the, the obvious coach, uh, Doug Peterson, the Jacksonville Jaguars, got nowhere near – where they expected to be at the end of the year, knocked out of the postseason by their rival in the Tennessee Titans. Um, and now they basically dispatched a lot of coaches, including most of the defensive uh, staff. What, what did you think when the news first broke? Well, you know, I've made 
a, a lot of mention, especially on the fifth quarter, that mm-hmm. the last five, six weeks, the defense has not played very well. And when you look at the overall body of work over the last two years, mm-hmm. turnovers has kept this defense there. Right. Okay. And, and obviously they were a turnover machine for a while there. Mm-hmm. The last five or six weeks, the turnovers went away, and all of a sudden you got a bunch of points and a, uh, you know, a situation. I, I will say this. When, when you, as a head coach, when you, when you part ways with somebody, it's not always about whether or not they gave up 350 yards or they did this or that. A lot of it is if there's dysfunction mm-hmm. within the unit. Right. And, you know, I know I've talked with a lot of people that are associated with the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that was a problem in my uh, feeling was that there was dysfunction, uh, work ethic situations, stuff like that. Those are the ones where the coach looks at them and says, okay, you know, maybe you did something good, but if you're not working and you don't have the same fire and the same energy as, as we do, that's big. then we got to make a change. Yeah. And, and really, that's what it looks like to me because, mm-hmm. you know, they had issues on both sides of the ball. This isn't just about the defense. No. But let me say there was a tel- telling thing said by Dewey Wingard mm-hmm. when he said there's a lack of assignments going on here down the stretch. He wasn't just talking about this game, in my opinion. He was talking about a, a body of work on defense. In other and, words, it had reached kind of an epidemic level. Yeah, and if that and if that was the case, I think, uh, am I wrong here? Did, did Doug make a statement that after talking with the players? Yes. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. You don't let the players dictate who your coach is. Unless Jameis. Jameis actually probably Well, he did. He tried to do it. Yeah, yeah he did it, actually. <laughs> but you certainly, when you hear stuff, that is detrimental to the football team, mm-hmm. then you it, it's not good. And, and, and that probably sent him over the edge, to be honest with okay, you. Okay, so I asked – we were talking about this earlier, and I think we might have said at that time we want to hear what you had to say about this. Do you trust players to tell you – as the head coach, do you trust players to tell you the truth about their bosses and do you use everything they say – as 100% gospel when you make these decisions. No, you don't. It's what you observe. Right. And what you hear. Okay. I think the combination of that is, I think, first of all, when you lose and you have a collapse like we just had, mm-hmm. somebody's going. Right, right. Okay. This is what I wanted to hear. Yes. And and, and so, you know, and from that standpoint, he's, a, he's doing, I don't think it's natural for Doug Peterson to fire people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he he's a good guy, yeah. and he cares about people. In my opinion, mm-hmm. that's a tough thing when you fire somebody. You got the family, family. You got sure. kids that are out there in school. You got all kinds of stuff. Some guys weren't even on at they were at the end of their contract, so they don't have a contract going forward. Right. You got mortgage payments, all those things, all real life stuff. Absolutely, and and when, when he's not one of those guys that just automatically goes off the handle. He's got poise. He, he, he approaches everything on, a, on that deal. It's not natural for him. Mm-hmm. So if he saw dysfunction amongst the football team, I think he did the right thing. Now, the problem you have from experience <laughs> is when you start getting rid of guys, you're usually the next guy out of there. So you got to make sure that you got the right guys going in there mm-hmm. in that spot. 
because it's worth pointing out, here we are, one year after he hired the staff, massive change. Two years. Two yeah. years after. Well, yeah. Because yeah. there was minimal changes from yeah. a season ago. JJ, if you could fire up and just be ready with number 13 from Doug yesterday, um, that is the one that I recited about the why. Um, yeah. And and I think it's I think it's important as we make this argument, and I see plenty of you in the YouTube chats and on the text line, Design My Lifetime Enclosures, that are upset that I'm cryptic on Twitter and what's all this, you know, whatever you're spewing. I just want you to listen to this, as I know Coach Coach is saying this is the same quote that he just alluded to, and do, like, infer with this where Doug Peterson's head is at. It started today, um, listening to players and, and, the, and the private conversations that I have with guys, and just to kind of feel them, you know, and get a, get a gauge. I think I think that's gives you a pretty good insight, you know, I, and and – one of the things I feel like is a strength of mine is gauging our players. And, and I felt the same way with some of the conversations I've had already. Um, and so I think I know the whys, right? Which are my whys, and they're not going to be your whys. Um, and it's all, it's all correctable and fixable moving forward. Now, the one thing that jumps out is that he had in his mind what he wanted to do. He had observed, like you just said, Coach, he had his own thoughts, and then he went to the players to basically confirm what he already Yeah, did. And, and believe me, uh, that just didn't happen in this game. If you look back, one of the things, you know, I, I, I chart every play. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I look at every play. Show them on YouTube, Coach. You got I, I chart. I These look at it when is. I come in yep. here. You know, and I'm getting a little older, so I can't do it all. Up here, I do it on the piece of paper that I saw on the deal. So, uh, w- discipline mm-hmm. it's a big deal. was a problem yeah. on defense, in my opinion. When you get eight yards a carry, I don't care if you've got the last rated defensive team in the league, personnel-wise, you're not going to get eight yards a carry unless people are in the wrong gaps and they're not doing the right thing. Uh, and and when that happens, to me, I've said this before, when you're struggling, you simplify. To me, guys made too many mistakes during the course of the season defensively, especially in the last five or six games, to it, somebody's wrong and they don't know where they're at. And when that, when that happens, when the front doesn't do their job, they get knocked back into the linebackers or they're in the wrong gap and the linebackers don't do their job because they don't know what gap they're supposed to be in. So when you combine all of those things, I think uh, Coach Caldwell took bits and pieces from what he learned at, at, with Bowles. Mm-hmm. Todd Bowles. And, and, and didn't necessarily fit it to where everybody knew what they were doing on every snap. That's that's my opinion. Now, did we have some of the same issues on offense? Probably, but I'll guarantee you this. We don't turn the ball over. We win two or three more of those ball games. So that's fixable, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I hate to be the guy to bring up this, you know, we've now fixed it party. The problem was offense. The problem is the <laughs> most important guy on, in that franchise regressed and did not play well. So I, I don't understand how you can look at if, – if you're, if you're being honest with yourself and they self-avow, all teams, I don't care any level of football, you self-avow. How can you look at what happened offensively where every major metric 
of how you measure how well you're doing has decreased from last year, where most importantly, the most important player on the team regressed. How do you look at that and think, I'm going to fire the running backs coach, and I'm going to fire backup offensive yeah. line coach? Well, that's, that's an issue. I mean, I don't know why that, why that happened, and some of that could have been the same thing I'm talking about. Maybe didn't feel like it was an, they were working hard enough or whatever. Here's, here's my thing about the offense, and I can say it in, in three different areas. It didn't fire the offensive line coach because the rookie that came in got better mm-hmm. every game all the way through the year, okay? The problem they had with the three inside guys, if there was anything wrong with the offensive line coach, it was not having making the right decision on whether or not to improve that area or not. That's a because, personnel. Because that's personnel. You can fix that next year. You could go out and get a free agent or whatever. Now, the third one is the quarterback. And the quarterback, to me, there's some concern. My concern with it, he's got the talent. In my opinion, he's got the competitiveness. So those two things are there. My question is, is he football smart enough to not make bad mistakes? And and, uh, putting the work in to make sure that you don't. Absolutely. And plus the fact that, and this is an excuse, but it's it's there. He was hurt. When he really regressed has been in the last four or five games when he's not practiced during the course of the day. Mm-hmm. So in my, in my mind, some of the things on defense are not fixable with the group they had there, okay. in my opinion. You either are tough on the guys, accountable, discipline-wise. Uh, is there a work ethic, ethic issue? In my opinion, there is, from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. On offense, you can do it with the same group, because he may hire another offensive guy to come in and work with a quarterback. I don't know that. Well, then there'll be like the sixth guy helping him. Whatever. But, right. but, but, but here's the, the reality is if you don't, Joe, yeah. and you you stick with what you got and you don't, yeah. and you go 8-9 next year and you're out of the playoffs again, yeah. well, you'll out. be out. Okay, so I wanted to ask you the question. When you hear Doug say what he said and then what Coach just said, and you said you know, the problem is the offense, he said correctable and fixable, and I'm paraphrasing. Do right. you buy that based on what? Coach is I, I mean, look, he's in the building, not you. Yeah, right. Doug Peterson's in the building. He's he's right. with all those guys. He's the he's the coach. He believes it's fixable. Okay. My whole point is, it better be, or he's out of a job next year. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And he has to own that. Which JJ, if you could fire up real quick before we take our first break of the two o'clock hour, number twenty-seven. Um, this is where Doug was asked as far as Josh Allen telling reporters that, as opposed to last December, in which. They caught this spark, and they just let it carry them and carry that momentum. This year, they found themselves in December really focusing on the fundamentals. I believe the reason they did that, especially now seeing who Doug relieved of their duties, was because Doug felt like in individual position rooms, they weren't focusing on those fundamentals, and so he was instating it in practice. Here's Doug Peterson from yesterday. We just can't have the collapse like we did this year. Um, because you feel like now the season's sort of wasted, right? Because you had a great opportunity, you know, to, to, to win the division, and we didn't. So we have to live with that, you know, and, and, and we have to own it. And um, we got to learn from it. But, um, you know, I still feel like 
you know, we still have the best football ahead of us, you know, uh, moving forward. Dang nabbit, that wasn't the quote. Come on, Gibby. I'm Mm -hmm. just kidding. I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. Let me read it for you guys. I see it both ways. If you're not working on fundamentals, you're not getting better. So we've got to continue to work on the details. If you're working on something consistently, then it's going to be consistent in a game. And that's where your fundamentals take over. Yeah, we caught fire last year, maybe because everything was new. And much like some of the teams we played here at the end, you weren't playing for a whole lot. Maybe some pride and you catch fire. Next thing you know, you find yourself in the postseason. Yeah, you can ride the wave of emotion. I don't think that's necessarily sustainable over just execution. Taking care of the football, pre-snap penalties, staying in your gap, tackling offensive players. Those are fundamentals, and sometimes the lack of fundamentals showed up, even though we worked on them, as he said, some of those lacked down the stretch. Yeah. I saw Coach bobbing his head, as I said all that. To me, that's are your coaches in the room watching enough film with the players? Are they talking enough about it? In practice, when you have your individual work, are you working on those things? That's the head coach's responsibility. Right. But he's not sitting in every meeting room. In other words, he's given every coach no, the job to do and the power to right, do it. Right, but it's also his job to it. manage the assistant coaches uh, too, is it not? Because it at is. some point this season, you can't tell me that he waited till week 16 to think, oh, we're not doing things right. right. At some point in the season, week 10, week 9, he had a thought, okay, this is not going well. All right. Then yeah. it's his job to manage them. All yes. right, so let's carry that over, and you, you answer that question, because that struck me the same way. I'm like, you can't say this now after all that's happened. But anyway, let's do that coming up on XL Primetime. This magic moment. This is XL Primetime. Brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. Ah, yes. You know what that sound means. Coach Campo's anthem. <laughs> we need a little magic. I can yeah, just we do. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, if our team plays as good as Jay and Americans did singing, we're going to be all right. <laughs> That's a little positivity and sunshine, perhaps, that we need, especially with the severe weather we're experiencing in Northeast Florida right now. I want everybody to be out there to stay safe. Uh, there was a tornado warning issued in Baker County. We will keep you posted if that extends into Nassau, Duval, St. John's, Clay, all of our counties in the metro area. Uh, 239 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures says, would, if, would be nice if you guys could tell the listeners to tip their delivery drivers in the storm. Uh, I'm glad to know that uh, at 221, we've got, uh, you know, you're getting McDonald's delivered on Uber Eats. But so hey, you're listen, wearing that shirt that boat. says, tipping is not a city in China, is, this, is what you're wearing Is this right really now. where we are as a society? Yeah. That we're actually like, you can't go out and get something to eat because you're worried about rain? Yeah. Well, hey, look at the sign you have right in front of you, okay? It says help wanted, all right? Or maybe <laughs> he's like a UPS driver, and if that's the case, I'm never tipping you. Yeah. Yeah, you might Sorry. get it at uh, Christmas time. Listen, shout out to the, what can Brown do for you. Speaking right. of the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, another great one just came in, and I think it's a great segue to where do the Jaguars go from here, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, Coach Campo. Didn't Doug say that one of the reasons he was giving over the play calling to press is so it would free him up to focus on the team overall? It's unacceptable he let this collapse happen with the defense, to which I say, yes. But secondly, he also, like you alluded to, his style is that he wants to give autonomy to these coaches, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He's listening, but he knows that's not his area of expertise. 
I come away from these firings and can't help but feel like he will hire a veteran defensive coordinator who's going to operate in their own silo and in turn because of all the turmoil on offense as well that may not have featured as many firings but certainly is still to blame for this collapse Doug will now go back to investing his time overseeing that operation specifically well I think that's very possible and I think that the one thing for sure in my mind though is he's going to have a number of people that know whoever comes in here that he's going to trust to make sure that the guy coming in is on the same page as he is on what's going on. And I agree with you. I don't see Doug, as I mentioned earlier, as being a an authoritarian right. type, you know, a, a dictator type of a leader. Mm-hmm. I see him giving, uh, you know, some uh, letting his coaches do what they do. And, and you know, uh, if I, listen, uh, if listen I'm putting... uh, all I can say is that Matt is right, mm-hmm. that it's his responsibility. Yeah. And and his responsibility caused him now to make a tough decision for mm-hmm. him, which is which is not in his makeup, in my opinion, to, no, to fire guys. It's not easy firing anybody. There's no, no doubt about that. No, but at right. the end of the day, if you don't fire one guy, the whole ship's going down. Yeah, well, that's what I said. You know, usually when you get let guys go, when you have to get that far to let guys go – you're usually the next guy out. Yeah. The one thing we have an advantage, though, that he has is he has some good players on this team. I literally, before everybody got banged up, I still believe that we had good enough talent to to play with anybody in the league. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, things change. The inconsistency of the offensive line. Guys were banged up. Uh, you know, you got some guys hurt. Uh, the receiver core. Uh, you know, listen, when we lost Kirk, this is the only excuse I'm making. When we lost Kirk, we lost the middle of the football field, mm-hmm. period. Yeah, yeah. You can and say that Ingram was a middle-of-the-field guy. No, he was a short middle-of-the-field guy. We lost the entire middle of the field because the other receivers did not come in there. And, and it, it doubled the problem without Zay being healthy. And so yeah, that and really, because Zay was a little bit of a playmaker, but he's not really an inside guy no, either. No, it's just a know? combo of two legitimate yeah, decent players. playmakers. Right. Right. That were lost. All of a sudden, you're like, "There's a huge gulf here that we can't fill." Right. Uh, the other thing is, is that you know, I, I would honestly, I, I'm sure people would agree with this. I would put Dave Campo and Doug Peterson in the same pile as two of the nicest human beings that you would want to be around. Right. Okay. Well, that's a positive. Okay. In other words, that's uh, something you want people to say about you instead of describing you as a horse's behind. But every once in a while, you probably need to be one, uh, so you can make sure that you get uh, out of people what you need. Now, remember, this time a year ago. Everyone was saying, hey, dreams do come true, basically, okay, yep. in Duval. They actually do come true. And Doug told every told his team, I pictured us here. Okay, so right. then all of a sudden he paints himself a little bit of a false hope, like we're going to turn the corner again, just like we did a year ago. He needs to be more demanding. I'm not saying drastically change his personality, Coach. I've lived it. Yeah. I've lived it. And I, if I had to do it all over again, I would have done exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. Because when it, when it's all said and done, you have to look at yourself mm-hmm. and say, "What did I do that that I should have done?" Right. And and that was part of my problem. I'll mm-hmm. be honest with you. It's interesting because as a defensive coordinator, I was tough. <laughs> but then as a head coach, that's I, where I, you soften yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And so that's where I believe. And again, let's take this to the offense. 
not only should this defensive coordinator be the you know the Gestapo, the the enforcer, because Doug Peterson recognizes his limitations in his personality, so that guy needs to be the bad guy. I think you need a bad guy as part of the brain trust around 16. At the very least, you need someone who has an opposing point of view than Press Taylor, his BFF Nick Holes, and whatever else is going on in that brain trust right now. Because now I've heard from multiple people that Jim Bob Cooter, at the very least, was an opposing viewpoint from a different tree. Right. And right now, I can count on maybe one or two fingers who isn't from that same brain trust that currently surrounds Trevor Lawrence. I'll, I'll give you a, a, a real quick example. When I, when I got the job in Dallas, uh, I... Jerry Jones picked the offensive staff, not me, okay? Interesting. And the, the one reason that I went along with it was because Ernie Zampezi came back with that staff from New England, and Ernie was an outstanding coordinator mm-hmm. for the Cowboys during the Super Bowl year. So I went to Ernie. I said, Ernie, I said, you got to be my eyes and ears on, on offense, you have to be like a head coach on offense mm-hmm. because I'm going to make sure we're playing good defense because we always have. Ernie didn't say one thing to the staff during that period of time mm-hmm. because he just didn't feel like he wanted to exert himself and all that. That's the same thing with Bob Sutton. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now mm-hmm. because he – A longtime defensive assistant here. And, 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 and one was of, the D.C. And Kansas City. And a terrific coach yeah. and one of Doug's guys. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know this for sure, but it looks like to me it's the same situation. Yeah. They, he wasn't able to jump in there. His loyalty to the guys he was working with over there mm-hmm. – kept him from really exerting it, it, it robs you. his will. Yeah, yeah. of course. It, it, it robs you of your power a little bit because, you, you, look, I, I, we could talk to anybody out there, general manager, superintendent, head foreman, whatever it is. Yep. You want your guys to like you but also respect you. Absolutely. And, 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 and you know, you want to be able to go have a beer with them or whatever, but yep. you've got to kick them in the, in the tail whenever that needs to, to no, be done. No question. Yeah, and so we'll find out. But I, I do go back to the one overriding thought here that he's going to get someone who will take that defense and then he's going to put his eyes. He should have had his eyes on this offense the entire time. So, look, he's got to charge himself with this stuff. He really does. Well, I think what we're saying here is that there's enough uh, uh, bad stuff for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we did not not perform on either side of the ball the way we were at one time performing. So it's a full reset. And uh, to me, I think Mia's got the right idea with bringing a guy in that has done it. Mm-hmm. It is no more first-time coordinator. This is, uh, you know, it's all right we're first-time coordinator when you got a bunch of dogs out there. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough dogs out there for a first-time coordinator that's not going to exert himself and be really confident in what he's doing yeah. and, and can right the ship. I don't think they had enough fixers over there on defense to fix anything, to be perfectly honest with you. Well, I can tell you this, Coach. Um, There is a dog floating around Jacksonville right now. It's actually a female dog. Um, Don't take that the wrong way, folks. Mm -hmm. Um, A woman is is accused of crashing through the gate at the Jaguars practice facility last night. She is facing DUI and officer assault charges, (laughs) having crashed through the gate and then actually crashed into the glass windows that everyone enters through, including the media and Maybe we ought to hire her. 
She Maybe really she's wants the one that we need fired. over there. <laughs> Either that or someone I mean, she knows. She's seen enough of that ball, you know. <laughs> it is XL Prime Time. This is XL Prime Time, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. All right, we wrap it up with our head coach. we got the Campo and Joe podcast, Facebook Live at 3 sharp. So if you want to jump on there and check us out, we'll keep the conversation going. That's for sure. Joe C., me, O'Brien, Matty Hayes, and Coach, before we are done, uh, we got to touch on the game. Uh, and then I want to ask you at least the type of coordinator or anything that you can throw out as far as the direction you think Doug will go in as far as getting the next guy on that side of the ball. Uh, but sum up a beat down in Nashville and get knocked out of the postseason. Well, you know, obviously it was very disappointing, and I don't think our guys gave themselves a chance to win, really. I mean, I just think that the discipline aspect and everything from a defensive standpoint, uh, I thought the offense did some decent things, but when it really came down to it, they couldn't run the ball up the middle. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's going to affect them. When when you're not running the football, and, and I look at that more of decision-making of the decision-makers – than I do the actual coaching because, okay. you know, Meaning they the need some players. Plan. They, no, they need no, some personnel. players. Personnel. Okay. They oh, need okay. some players okay. to run the football. They're, they're, they were soft up in the middle, and they mm-hmm. need to prove that. But that, once you can't run the football, everything's on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And once, you know, now uh, I still look, look at Trevor as being, uh, once he got hurt, he has not been the same. Mm-hmm. As far as where the defense went awry, you've mentioned multiple times this hour about how they still have good players. Who, for you, though, was it, like, alarming as either, A, this guy needs to get coached up or we need to get, you know, we need to get new guys at this position? Well, I I think it's more coaching than it is players, to be honest with you. The execution part is the players, obviously, but the lack of discipline to me that's the thing that stands out to me more than anything else. And when you're, when you're uh, looking at something like uh, playing bunch routes and it's the same this year as it was last year, that's coaching. That's not execution. The you, inability to cover the bunch routes. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, it, that should be – you should have that down. Yeah. You're, you're, you're referring to the secondary just getting lost in yeah, traffic. Yeah, getting every lost time. Not traffic. passing off, right. And one really other quick – have I got a second? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Special teams wise, mm-hmm. there was an instance where uh, it was uh, a uh, when you when you're in third and sh- fourth and short, mm-hmm. you stay on the field defensively and you, and you do a punt safe. Mm-hmm. It's called. Right. Well, you're playing man to man on the the receivers that are up, that are uh, available. Mm-hmm. When you get two guys together, that's a stack, just like a bunch. Right. And they can cross each other. Well. Pretty. That, I my I heard that when one guy was asked, well, how do you want to handle this defensively? What do you guys call it? How do you do it? He said one thing. They asked the guy right next to him. He said something different. They asked another guy. He said something different. So that's to no me, bueno. that's coaching. That's no if bueno. you don't know what how you're going to handle something based on the fact that you have to do it defensively and you got different ideas, it's not good. All right, so speaking of All coaching, right. real quick. Yeah. So since the quote-unquote receipts game, the Saints game, where Trevor said he's going to have receipts and everyone, and I want to be very clear here, mm-hmm. I think he's got the chance to be a very good quarterback in this league. Yeah. Okay? 
It's like the Billy Napier thing. Exactly. Right. Uh, first off, <laughs> but, but, he's not going to get fired. since that receipts game, he had 13 touchdowns and 15 turnovers. My point is he needs to be coached better. He needs to, be, he needs to realize the value of preparation and coaching. I think that's where Doug's got to, okay, I've got the defense settled with whoever I'm getting. I'm now veering off into this guy's our franchise. This guy's going to save my job, and he's going to win games and win playoff games. i got to do everything I can to make him better. I can't, I can't dispute that. I mean, that's the bottom line. How goes our quarterback? I'm going to get a couple of offensive linemen that can block somebody right. in the run game, and then it's up to the quarterback. How he plays is going to be the deal because I believe that whoever he brings in defensively is going to be geared in to making sure that we're a disciplined defense and that we're going to do what we're supposed to do and know what we're supposed to do. And you guys thought Calford could get by without Jim Bob Cooter, okay? It we did. I'll raise easy. my hand. It was ain't on easy. Me. All right, so Mike McCoy and all of them, they should be put on notice. All right, Coach, uh, we've got a takeaway coming up here in just a second. We've got the Frangie Show coming up here in just a second. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. All right, Lauren Brooks joins us now. The Francis Show getting ready to roll uh, as uh, as we've been describing. Heads were rolling yes, yesterday. Yes, they were. And honestly, I have to say, I feel like the fact that Mike Vrabel was let go today makes the loss even worse. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was, you know, relieved of his coaching duties, parted ways, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. That was a team that should never have won that football game. And look, the Jaguars still had a lot of issues. I'm not going to sit here and say the Jaguars were headed to the Super Bowl had they just won that game, obviously. But it just, to me, it's even more embarrassing that you went to Nashville and you lost that game. Yeah, the last thing you want to see is a guy that just beat your butt get handed his walking slip. Yeah, and I mean, that goes to show you when a GM and the owner are on one side and the coach is on the other then changes tend to happen. And obviously here there's a whole lot, lot of other conversations going on. I don't think the owner is necessarily with the GM, so I don't no. think we have to worry about that. All right, the so you guys will be diving into that? Yeah, in the national championship, uh, Denny Thompson stops by at 5 o'clock to talk quarterbacking a whole lot more. All right, so Michigan, the national champions. All right, thank you, Lauren. Thank you. We've got Lauren, Frank, Hayes, and RJ coming up at the top of the hour right now. Let's do it. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. So the good news, the tornado looks like it has split. We have tornado warnings in Camden and Glynn, so it's moving north. But still, I think northern Jacksonville mm-hmm. be, be a little weary there. And then it's also moving south towards Gainesville. But a severe thunderstorm warning has been issued for Duval, Clay, Nassau, St. John's, Baker, Bradford, Union, Charlton, Alachua, Camden, Putnam, and Ware until 345. So head on a swivel, folks. All right, be careful. Take away, Coach. Uh, you know, uh, enough negative. Let's move on. Let's, let's figure out what we're going to do from here. And, uh, you know, I think that'll be a big discussion for us now going forward. Coach, we have months of negativity yeah, left we, on we this show. Yeah, we got a lot of negativity. Right. And we have months of positivity. <laughs> 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 Especially when we have Campo here. Hey, 9 and 8, 9 and 8. Yeah. When was the last time? It's been a minute. It's been a minute, Maddie. My takeaway is that's a cop-out. My takeaway is, um, <laughs> I mean, it's the quarterback. You have nine months to fix him. Fix him. Right, yeah. My takeaway is I'm innocent. And I we're innocent. They're all innocent. And... I put together a great movie. My name is Jim Harbaugh. 
That's it. My takeaway. Thanks to Beaver Chevy, Beaver Toyota. We had a great show today, and you can have a great experience when it comes to buying brand new or pre-owned. They are there to wow you, and they definitely will take care of you. The sale and the service beyond. Make sure you check out Beaver Chevy on Phillips Highway, beaverchevrolet.com, beavertoyota, Augustine.com, right there in the AUG on US1. We are out. We've got the Campo and Joe podcast firing up at 3 on Facebook. Joe C., me, O'Brien, Matty Hayes. Coach, Big Surs and JJ, don't forget helmets and heels after the Frangie Show at 6.